0: It's 11.01 Mountain Time. Yes, I said 11.01, not 10.01. An hour late here in the neighborhood, but definitely here for the upcoming show Dave's Gone By. It's... A show of comedy, music, interviews, humor, all sorts of fun stuff. Got a great show for you. Apologies for the lateness. I will explain, but before anything else, got to remind you that you're listening to UNC Radio, the radio station of the University of Northern Colorado. I'm Dave Lefkowitz. The name of the show is Dave's Gone By. It begins with Captain Beefheart and the Magic Band doing Tropical Hot Dog Night, a song that sounds a little something like this. goes the dave Good morning, everybody, here at the University of Northern Colorado and all over the country and all over the world. It's 11.03 Mountain Time. And yes, we're an hour late starting today. Apologies for that. I will explain. But the main thing is I'm here. You're here. The show is Dave's Gone By. It's episode 425. That's right. We've actually done 424 previous of these, most of which are available online at the website dave'sgoneby.com for you to listen to. But we'll tell we'll talk about the archives later. First, the main thing is to welcome you to this brand new live edition, June first, two thousand and thirteen. We're calling it Schlock's and Bonds because we have um, well a really really cool and amazing guest coming into the neighborhood to talk not to me but to Rabbi Saul Solomon so you yeah, already know it's going to be an amazing show you got a great guest I'm promising you that and Rabbi Saul pretty much you know it's 80% done right from there the other 20% can be crap but when you hear that you know you're in good hands for the rest of the show because uh, well Rabbi Saul Solomon of course, He's the spiritual leader of this program. He's also the founder of Temple Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York, a very uh, powerful presence on this program. He's also an actor. He's done a one-person show in New York and here in, uh, in Greeley and in Weld County, and he's coming back to do that show. But the main thing is he'll be talking to our very special guest, veteran rock and roller Gary U.S. Bonds. Gary U.S. Bonds has been around since my God the nineteen fifties, doing his thing. He had that big hit quarter to three and another one called New Orleans. Yeah, a few hits actually. And, you know, had his usual like a lot of rock and rollers, ups and downs over the decades and stuff, and then kind of found his footing and voice again, especially when he started hanging out with Oh, this fellow named little Stevie Van Zandt, who introduced him to a friend of his, a guy named Bruce, and they really hit it off, and now they're, you know, they're kind of palsy with the band, and Bruce has sung with Gary West Bonds, and, and they have all played Jersey together. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it was a second life for this guy, and I was having basically a third life, well into the fifth decade of his career, still making music, still making new music and touring and live music, and he's got his autobiography out. It's called Buy U.S. Bonds, B-Y-U-S-Bonds. Get it? Really cool. Anywho, um, yeah, he's got a lot of st- <clears throat> stories to tell and things to talk about. People know about his um, friendship with Stevie and Bruce Springsteen and all those folks. They may not know he knew a lot of other people back in the day. He was friends with Otis Redding, and folks like that. So, yeah, Rabbi Sal has this long list of questions to ask Gary U.S. Bonds. Hopefully he'll ask a bunch. I, I can't wait to hear. It should be really fun and interesting conversation. And of course, we'll be hearing a bunch of the hits and and uh, more recent music from Gary U.S. Bonds. So do not turn the dial, because um, we got that coming up. We also have our Inside Broadway segment. Still a lot of news coming out of New York, even though... The season is technically over, but of course the Tony Awards are just one more week away. I'll be talking about that as well. Not to mention that our next program next week will be our big, big, big Tony Award show. That's really exciting. Oh, so much to tell you, and we'll be having our Bob Dylan segment—Bob Dylan sooner or later, where sooner and later, excuse me, where we play songs from all different times of. Robert Zimmerman's career from the earliest you know, those bedroom recordings in 1958 all the way up through his most recent album, Tempest, and the Christmas album, and bootlegs and official bootlegs, blah, blah, blah. Anywho, in honor of Gary U.S. Bonds being in the neighborhood today, our topic for Bob Dylan sooner and later will be Bonds and things like that, things that have to do somehow in some strange tangential way. ...with Gary U.S. Bonds. So we'll play a bunch of Bob Dylan songs. Also, we'll have a couple of Saturday segues... ...where we play um, music. Duh. Uh, uh, Theme-type music. So, one of our our themes is going to be Jersey Shore... ...or Jersey especially, because just a few days ago... ...they officially, quote-unquote, reopened... uh, ...sections of the Jersey Shore that had been closed... Because of Hurricane Sandy, they were just so badly damaged and had to be worked on. And there's still tons and tons of problems uh, on Long Island, let alone in New Jersey, too. But it was it, they got hit bad there. And so Barack Obama came down there and Chris Christie came down there, too. And they had another of their photo op, Love Bromance Huggins, which I am all for, which I think is what politicians ought to do when the going gets tough, you yeah. know. I work together, I give a little. You work together, you give a little. We get stuff done. It doesn't have to be filibusters. It doesn't have to be you know, hate, 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 vilify, 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 stop everything this guy's trying to do um, you know, until we get our guy in. And then the other side, it's just you know, the horror of the bottleneck of American politics is, is would be hilarious if it weren't sad. So it's unfortunately this huge big deal when um, – two politicians from very different sides step across the the platform and say, okay, you know, and Chris Christie had to be the bigger man in this case. He had to go to Barack Obama and say, you know, I realize I'm a conservative. I'm a staunch government out of our business kind of guy. And I may be running for higher office one day too. And, you know, I need the conservatives and the Tea Party tea baggers on my side too. However, we just had... Worst hurricane this place has seen in a hundred years, doing gazillions worth of damage. We can do some fixing ourselves, but, you know, it would be nice, really, if we could get a handout, a big one, from Uncle Sam. And Barack Obama nodded and said, well, okay, (laughs) that's what the government's for. Keep things going and to get businesses rebuilt uh, as best they can in a recession, you know. And so they shook hands, they had the photo op, they, they, uh, the Tea Party people swore off Chris Christie for being a traitor of some sort. And, and it's funny, all the Democrats just said, hey, you know, hello, yeah, that guy's, uh, he, he did something for the good of the people rather than the party. He's all right. And it, it continues now. when They were both there on Monday or Tuesday, reopening, I guess the day after Memorial Day, it would have been Tuesday standing there doing the ribbon cutting and saying, hey, everybody, it's open. Come on down. The weather's going to start to be beautiful. It's actually cold in New York this week. That's all they needed. But you know what I'm saying. It was a a nice, good thing. So in honor of that, um, we're going to do a Jersey Shore and New Jersey, all over kind of New Jersey, Saturday Segway coming up in the program. We'll also do, and we'll start off, Ooh, do I really want to start off with it? It's so grim. But yeah, well, I wanted to tell you why I was late this morning, kind of an hour late. It's been a very whew, it's been a very heavy emotional week, not in the radio neighborhood, but in just my own neighborhood, because um our beloved dog, Murray, one of our two beloved dogs, um was diagnosed with the same thing that He had about a year and a half ago where he comes down with, you know, he's this adorable little dachshund. He was almost 12 years old. So, a year and a half ago, he came down not with the usual dachshund stuff, which is hip and joint. I'm sure he'll get that later. But this was um, a tumor discovery in him, few tumors. And so they operated months ago and got. As much as they possibly could. They got a lot out of it. It was a, um, it's technically cancer because cancer is something that grows um, non normally, non normative cell growth. But there's, of course, different kinds of cancers. There's malignant sar- sarcoma, carcinoma. I, I, I don't know the, word. I don't think I want to know the words until I get hit with cancer in my 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever it'll be. But so, Murray. They found it, they operated, they pulled it, it was great, it was fine, fabulous, recovered very quickly. And then, you know, a few weeks ago, we discovered that it grew back in a bigger way. Because it may not be going into the bones, it may not be a sarcoma, carcinoma, tumory thing, but it is a fatty tumor, it's a lipoma, is what they call it. So uh, they had to open him back up and get more and more and more. And he's, you know, five and a half hours on the table and there's still stuff left in him that has to be zapped by radiation. That's the only real way they can get it without truly endangering his life on the table and also or endangering his spying because they have to pull it from there and get deal with paralysis issues. So, yeah, it, you know, this was the week that we brought him back to the hospital for a pretty major, major surgery. And so <laughs> trying to, to deal with that. If you're a dog owner, you know what the hell I'm talking about. Or a cat owner. I can't imagine it's quite the same with gerbils and bunnies. I'm sorry to bunny and gerbil owners or even bird owners and fish people. I, uh, I feel your pain, but I don't think you can fully feel <laughs> my pain. Sorry. But other dog and cat, you know what I'm talking about. Any little thing. Right? And if I am tied to my dog that way, my wife is about 50 times more tied to our little dogs. I mean, forget it, they, they cough. She's running to the vet. So she was a basket case this week. I was almost a basket case this, this week. It was not fun. And went into surgery on Wednesday, had it done, wonderful doctor at the uh, CSU because that's where they do the oncology and the major medical for... And they're known as the best place for cancer-type things and surgical things for animals. So it's, it's over at CSU in Fort Collins. We go there, terrific woman named Dr. Heron uh, did the surgery and kept us posted and called us and you know, gave us all the information, really nice and wonderful Frank, the the. I guess intern he is, uh, or doing the the rounds, was helping out with all the stuff that she wasn't doing, you know. um, And thank God, thank God, you know. Next day, he's doing better, he's a little swollen, but he's fine. Day after, even better. And then this morning, because our wonderful, terrific Dr. Heron, she's so terrific that she's been there three years, and her residency's up. She has to leave. I, I do not understand it's in academia too and the medical community, especially you go a couple of places, you can be just fantastic and you still have to go. You still have to go looking for jobs and be elsewhere. Um, you know, I, I think they should fight to keep people like her for as long as they can. But it doesn't work like that. So she's off on a job interview. <laughs> we had to get our dog at like first thing in the morning because she's on a plane right now flying in to find some, I guess, other residency or a job. So wish her tremendous luck, but it meant we had to pile in the car, six thirty in the morning, zip up to CSU, um, make sure that our doggy was ready to take home, which he was. Um, you know, he still he looks great. If if you first saw him, uh, without knowing what he'd been through and you look past all the, the gauze and the bandages, you would be like, oh, my God, you know, he's, he's oozing here, and he's red there, and there's this, and there's, this is all tied together, and this is stitched, and is, you know, kind of Frankensteinian if you don't know. I mean, I've already gone through this like we did a, a month, a year and a half ago, but on the whole, physically, he's healing knockwood really well, looks great, ready to come home. So, of course, we, grab, we if we could take him home, we brought him home, Resting, but that's the reason I couldn't start the show at 10. We were still on the road, getting back, got him some water, made him comfortable, boom, and uh, we'll be looking after him all day today, and hopefully uh, we'll get him back in to be looked at on Tuesday, uh, just to see how he's doing, you know, get the stitches out a week later, and then, yay, radiation. Fun, 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 fun. (sighs) The things we do for our four-legged friends, man, the things we do, yeah, I and mean, especially, I mean, for my wife it was a no brainer. For Joyce, she was just like, "Hey, if it were, I'm just throwing a number out there. If it were fifty thousand dollars, I don't care, I don't care. You know, it's our dog, whatever it costs, whatever it takes." Which is not really what you want to tell a doctor or any organization when you're walking in the door. It's like, yeah, you, you just here's a blank check. Pick a number, write it down. We'll pay it. Just save our doggy. Um, you know, I'm I'm habsy wabsy about that because I'm more of a an old school, cheap, <laughs> Jewishly raised Jew. Um, and also, it's not like as if our dog is six years old or something. He's already twelve. So there's always that thing in the back of your mind of you can go through everything and only buy him what a month, a week, uh, ten weeks. Hopefully, the real hope is if we get it, all of it, the radiation works um, after a full month of procedures, you know, we could have bought them three, four more years, which should be amazing. And then totally, you know, more than worthwhile, double 10 times over. One hopes. We'll see. Um, I just, you know, back of my mind is will we be in this position again a year and a half from now? when it will all grow back despite the surgery, despite the radiation, and then we'll have a 13 and a half or a 14-year-old dog and have to make it as well. Do we want to spend X amount, put him through another surgery, put him through more radiation or chemo, whatever they'll, they'll give him, and for the sake of giving him, instead of two more years, half a year? I don't know. I mean, I know that will be facing us down the line. I don't want to think about it, but it's all I can think about. Anywho, with all that in mind... Let us start our Dave's Gone By episode with the grimmest Saturday segue I think we've ever done on... Let's get out of the way. I want to do the Jersey stuff later. And let's do our first Saturday segue first. This is um, songs about hospitals. And I've got to say just really terrific things about the vet hospital at um, CSU in um, Fort Collins. I mean, just terrific people. Really... I mean... Maybe it's all an act. Maybe they have to seem like they care because that's the Hippocratic Oath. But they're not just, you know, numbers. And, and they go out of their way to make you feel like you're important. The animal is important too, but it's not. It, it's, it's all about the animal, but it's also about the people who have to go and care and pay for the animal. So they know that, and they don't disregard that. And that's that's kind of neat. And it's like like modern doctors who schedule you for five minutes and then sort of walk away and then come back and boom, you're done, you're in, you're out. It's this revolving door medical situation that uh, we all have in modern hospitals and and regular doctor's offices these days. So can't really praise enough the CSU team and CSU folks. And so going to play some hospital songs they're not happy hospital songs, alas. I, I wish I could play. I wish I could find some really happy ones because so far it's been a wonderful outcome. They've been terrific, and the the dog's healing. So yay! But you're not gonna go on iTunes or the internet and find many songs that go, "I love me hospital. I love to go there every day." Uh, you know, it, it's just it's just not going to be. So instead, let's play. Some not-so-happy hospital songs, just to, um, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a mess. I'm just a mess this morning, but very glad to be here. Very glad to be away from everything that was going on this week, in my little room, in my little corner, with my microphone, with all of you listening, with my little laptop, with my songs on it, with my website, which is davesgoneby.com. Remember, that's Dave, like my name, dot com. Uh, you can email me your best wishes for our doggy, and uh, or or your requests for the show and ideas. Dave's gone by at aol.com. And if I can't get a chance during the segue, we'll also get our Facebook page up, which is where you can follow the playlist of the songs that are in our Saturday segue while I'm playing them. So let us begin with a bit of Loudon Wainwright III, who was a guest on this show. Uh, just a few months ago He has two songs about hospitals This is the second one This is the later one Off the Grown Man LP and CD That Hospital
1: Steve, little Bucky Herdman and me Drank two cases of beer one night The VW hit a tree Bucky wound up in the emergency room This was 64 or 5 Well, I hear he's living in Florida now Lucky to be alive Oh, that hospital Oh, that hospital Well, my dad freaked out and he wound up there one Christmas way back when I remember going to see him, he was my age now back then I kept staring out of that window, I could not look in his face He said I won't be home for Christmas, son You're gonna have to take my place At hospital Gonna stay there in that hospital There again in 76 a wife was having a DNC But in the end she couldn't go through with it so three left she and me And that little girl who was born there who escaped that scrape with fate A few months ago in Montreal I watched her graduate That hospital She was born in that hospital Yeah, my sister was born in that hospital too And now my mother's in there I took the train to see her Lord And I sat in that visitor's chair Mother was angry So afraid this was not a blessed event Now I'm riding back on that train Wondering where our lives went At that hospital I keep going back wind up in there Maybe so could you Anything can happen when there's nothing we can do And if you come to see me, Lord you sit in that visitor's chair Take something home from that gift shop so you'll have a souvenir From that hospital
2: why me stay.
3: Just lie and complain in bed at the hospital. Coming and going, asleep and away in bed at the hospital. I've got one.
4: Hospital I'm gonna make it to the end I'm gonna smoke a cigarette Because a cigarette is my only friend I can hear my slippers slapping I can feel my gown a-flapping Got my hope being set into making it to the end of the 7th floor corridor, the Grace Hospital. These are my people. Hello, Joe, how you doing? Don't I take good care of you, Joe? Mrs. Bergman, how you doing? What? No, I don't have your mail. I'm gonna make it to the end. When I make it to the end, I will smoke my cigarette They make it very hard to smoke here, but I've got it all figured out Make it hard, and it builds up your strength They don't want you to check out Oh, there's a man in traffic below He's all revved up with nowhere to go He's cursing and swearing, watching the raindrops roll down his windshield, stuck in rush hour traffic. And he's saying, Oh, I should have bought that farm, I would have been home by now. Would be milking cows and slapping pigs and saying benign things to my benign wife. And instead of sitting here looking up at the tailpipe of someone I do not even know and probably wouldn't like, and looking up at the face at the end of the seventh floor of the Grace Hospital. For floor of the Grace Hospital Everything's green here Like a green nightmare They come every Thursday morning They spend an hour in the boardroom Making decisions like this you they say, oh, oh yeah Grass, like the trees, I don't make everyone brighten up and feel so happy, make them feel so pleased. Well, I'm so pleased when I get out of here, I'm gonna write fucking greeting cards. Oh, I wonder how sweet it is here. Oh, it just reminds everybody of their own shit and their own puke. And oh, the blonde she pats her hair and she tastes aluminum chloride on her fingertips. And oh, Daniel, yes, could you come into the office, please? I'm walking down the corridor of the Grace Hospital. I'm gonna look out at the rain, at the sweet, sweet rain. There's a man driving below. He's all wrapped up with nowhere to go, cursing and swearing, watching the goddamn raindrops roll down his windshield. And he's always saying I should have bought that farm in the country. I would have been home by now. I'd have been slopping keys and milking cows. Up the tailpipe of someone I do not know and probably would not even like it. Oh, I'm watching this face at the end of the seventh corridor, Grace Hospital, looking out at the goddamn rain. I'm walking down the corridor, oh, I'm starting to get withdrawn. Oh, but I'm gonna make it to the end. I can feel like my gown flapping and I can. Hear my slippers slapping. Oh, oh, hello, Mrs. Bergman. No, I don't have the goddamn mail. And if you don't keep your dog tied up, I'm gonna have the dog catcher come. I don't care if you're 90 years old, you're gonna go any minute and he's 16 and you've been together all this time. He's gonna take him away. Don't ask me for the mail. Daniel, will you come into the office? I'm walking down the court of the Grace Hospital, me and my bride, there's gonna be a wedding today. I'm feeling so happy inside. Oh, me and my rolling bride, here we go hand in hand, needle in arm, she is my only friend. When I get to the end I will look out at the traffic blow And I will, I will smile sort of sweetly and tilt my head And everyone will look up and think that I'm looking out at the rain As if it's the sweetest thing I've ever seen And Grace Hospital is a terminal hospital and everybody knows that And maybe that's why the food's so bad And can I see your fucking boarding passes, please? Oh. Last night someone came into my room And I took my bag of sugar water And I must have changed for some strange potion Cause now I feel like I'm floating on some strange ocean There's a man traffic below He's all wrapped up from nowhere to go And he's a cursing and swearing and watching the raindrops roll he's saying I should have bought that farm in the country I, I would have been home by now I would have been milking cows and starving Sitting here in traffic, looking up at this white balloon at the end of a liquid string at the end of the seventh floor of the Grace Hospital, looking at it, in the goddamn rain. I like it's the sweetest thing. That is.
5: sleeping gown, I don't want to die in the hospital, you gotta take me back outside. Can you make a sound to distract the nurse before I take a ride in a long black curse? I don't want to die in the hospital, you gotta take me back outside. Oh, I... help me get my boots on, help me get my boots on, help me get my boots back on. Help me get my boots on, help me get my boots on, help me get my boots, on. Get my boots back on. I gotta go, go, go. I don't give a damn what the doctors say I ain't gonna spend another lonesome day I don't wanna die in the hospital You gotta take me back outside They don't let you smoke and you can't get drunk All there is to watch are these soap operas I don't wanna die in the hospital You gotta take me back outside Can't use this tube out of my arm Morphing in my blood like a slow sex I don't want to die in the hospital You gotta take me back outside Help me get my boots on Help me get my boots on Help me get my boots back on Help me get my boots on Help me get my
6: boots on Help me get my boots back on I gotta go, go, go I know
5: There's still a world at my windowsill All the other worlds I remember still I don't wanna die in this hospital You gotta take me back outside Don't know when it's day or when it's night All I ever see are fluorescent lights I don't wanna die in this hospital You gotta take me back outside They give me all these flowers and these big balloons But I don't wanna stay my feet as the cold wind calls for me
0: I could conclude on a lively, kicky note there, much more fun note than most of those songs that we played in our first Saturday Segway of the program. The program being Dave's Gone By, Saturday Segways being something that we do where we play a couple of songs all about a certain theme. And since we were able, thank you, God, thank you, doctors, uh, to be able to take our beloved dog Murray home from the hospital uh, in one piece, minus most of the tumors, and you know plus an appetite and plus you know working bowels, bladders, all that sort of thing, you know kind of a you know, a grateful day in the neighborhood, but a tough week, certainly, and so that Saturday segue, all about hospitals, well, human hospitals for the most part and i 'm going to our Facebook page so I can tell you what the tracks are that we played in that set. Well, you can go there, too. It's Radio Dave Lefkowitz is our Facebook page. Radio Dave Lefkowitz. But I imagine you can also sort of Google Facebook and Dave's gone by and find it just the same. And you will find that we have played in that set Loudon Wainwright III with his song That Hospital, all about how uh, the hospital has had figured in two his life and the life of his family in lots and lots of different ways for many, many years, positive and negative, or or joyous and sad. We followed Loudon Wainwright III with Marianne Faithful doing Sister Morphine, a song that she co-wrote, at least to some extent, with Jagger and Richard for their Sticky Fingers album. Well, they did it there. She also had a single version of it, backed by the Rolling Stones. I think we played that One time here a while ago. Uh, We didn't play that version. We played a much later uh, cover of the song. Well, her own cover of her own song. uh, Sister Morphine from Marianne Faithful. And then Florence and the Machine with Hospital Beds. Kind of a B-side track of theirs. Counting Crows doing Hospital. Wild Man Fisher with Outside the Hospital. Really cool number there. Backed by Barnes and Barnes, of course. Jane Sibry. I, I think that's just an absolute masterpiece. Grace Hospital. What CD was that on? She, uh, she did this trilogy of CDs about 15, 20 years ago. Uh, really uneven stuff and a lot of um, you know, some Laurie Anderson-y things that you don't really want to hear that many times. But there's, there's gems. And that's one of the, the great masterpieces of her career. Grace Hospital from the New York Trilogy set that she did, staring into that goddamn rain from that hospital window. Amazing number. But couldn't leave it there. Couldn't leave it. It's just so devastating. Had to go to Connor Oberst with I don't want to die in a hospital. And hopefully most of us won't, or if we do, we'll be so numbed or comatose that we won't really know if and when and how it's happening. Anywho, what's happening is it's five minutes, now four minutes, to noon. Here in the neighborhood. We got started an hour late because I was coming back from USC, so apologies again for that. But we're going to do all the stuff we promised you for this show. We got our first Saturday segue under our belts, and now um, we'll get our sponsors done, and then we'll be off to Broadway, Inside Broadway, the segment that we do every week of, excuse me, about culture in New York. And locally. But first, gotta thank the folks who make this show possible, and those include Hewlett Minuteman Press, the copy kings of Broadway. Since the mid 1970s, the Toron family has owned and operated the Hewlett branch of Minuteman Press. They're about three blocks away from the Hewlett LARR station. They're across the street from the Lomans and the Burger King. They're right in the heart of Hewlett, Long Island, and this is the place to go for all your copying, printing, binding jobs. If you want your logo on a calendar or a golf ball or a mug or a pencil, any of that, they do it, they do it well. They can also do everything from helping with your wedding invitations to holiday cards. It's almost, no, no, it's not time to think about Jewish New Year cards. Not yet. Let's get through the summer before we start thinking about that in, in August. But still, but still, if you're an early planner, go to ULIT Minute Man Press and say, hey, uh, let, let me ha- see your cards with apples and honey on them. But what else? You know, graduation's probably done by now. But what I'm saying is they can also make banners. Uh, they do embossing and printing, anything you want. If they don't do it themselves, they'll job it out. But the other thing is you got to tell them Dave sent you because you get 10% off any job, big or small, at ULIT Minute Man Press if you tell them. You listen to Dave's gone by. How do you contact them? 516-569-5577. 516-569-5577. They're open five days a week during the summer. Hewlett Minuteman Press. They are the copy kings. Also, a shout out to TotalTheater.com. This is an absolutely free website of theater reviews, theater articles, and interviews from New York from regionals, and from all over the world. If you go to the Criticopia section, you click, and you can read reviews of pretty much every Broadway show playing. See what our writers thought about it. You can see a lot of off-Broadway reviews, even off-off reviews, shows from um, California, shows from, let's see, Michigan, uh, where am I thinking, uh, Wisconsin, certainly, you know, pick a state. There's reviews from there including brand new and recent ones and sometimes even international theater. There, there's a critic who's covering shows at the very, very lauded and marvelous Shakespeare and Stratford festivals and he's writing about those up in Canada. So yeah, you've got to check out TotalTheater.com. Criticopia for reviews, Periodica for interviews and articles. There's a really, really good article coming up. Uh, I think they're, they're holding until Monday and that they're going to post about Sue Mengers. Now, this is the woman that uh, Bette Midler is doing that one-woman show about, I'll Eat You Last. It's on Broadway for another couple of weeks with uh, Bette Midler starring in this solo about this super agent. She escaped as a kid from Nazi Germany, came to New York with nothing and built herself up into being an agent for huge stars like Barbara Streisand and, I guess, Steve McQueen. I mean, those kinds of people. She had an amazing, interesting, wild personality and that's captured in the play. So there's a, a story coming on Monday all about the real Sue Menders and people who actually knew her and what she was like. It's fabulous. It's not posted yet. It'll be posted on Monday. So don't miss it at totaltheater dot com in the periodica section. And finally, big shout out to Jeff Goodman of Fancy Schmancy Balloons. Five one six five six oh excuse me, no. Five one six seven nine nine zero zero one two five one six seven nine nine zero zero one two for all your party decorating needs in the Tri State New York area. If you want your party to look amazing or you have a particular theme in mind, like you're a New York Yankees fan and you want you know lot of pinstripes and Yankee themed memorabilia on the tables That's the guy to go to If you're a Hunger Games fan, a Harry Potter fan um, you know, He can do archways and centerpieces Oh, uh, we seem to have a phone call Let's see if I can get this person on the air Just give me a mo. UNC Radio, you are on the air Hi, honey, it's me Okay, Should I, do you want to talk on the air or do you want to talk off? Probably off the air. Okay, um, I'll be right there. Okay, um, that that is uh, my beloved and darling wife. So, apparently something to talk about with the dog. So, I'm going to throw it to some... Oh, you know what we're going to do? I'm going to push off inside Broadway. I'm going to hold that off. And instead we're going to start our Gary U.S. Bond's interview with Rabbi Saul Solomon. He is the founder and spiritual leader of Temple Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. He got the opportunity to talk to veteran rock and roller, almost 60 years now.
6: Uh, Yeah,
0: almost, in the business of rock, from a quarter to three on. So not to be missed, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome into the neighborhood, the one, the only, the Jewish Rabbi Saul Solomon and Gary U.S. Bonds. Really, it's it's only in the morning here at the University of Northern Colorado, and I'm here with you, Shalom. I'm Rabbi Sal Solomon, the founder and spiritual leader of Temple Sons of Bitches in Great Neck, New York. But it's a quarter to three somewhere in the world because they're playing that song by the veteran, singer, songwriter, musician Gary U.S bonds he's had tons of hits over the years he's had his ups he's had his downs he's had his avenues and he's had his e-streets hint hint we will talk right now by telephone to the wonderful gary united states bonds shalom gary how are you hello how you doing buddy well you know apart from my prostate which is always problematic i'm fine how are you how is your health I'm
7: doing okay, very well. I was out last night with uh, little Stephen and Bruce and all the boys with the Rascals, and we had a little party. So I'm not doing that well today. <laughs> so you're still you're still talking
0: like it's 1959. I can see that.
7: Now, but, I can tell you that's that's a hard time now.
0: I tell you. Now it's very busy on Broadway right now. So you just went to see the the Rascals
7: uh, show. How was it? What's Upon a Dream? Very very. Excellent show that uh, Steve Van Zandt has produced and directed him and his wife Maureen, it's a great show. Oh good,
8: oh good, and
0: and you and the gang, as it were, Little Stevie and and, a fellow named Bruce went?
7: Yeah, Bruce was there, I even saw Tommy James was there, and uh, oh my god, everybody was there, it was an opening night for that, you know, and and, uh, it was a great opening night, Cousin Bruce was there. Oh, how's he doing? He's he's getting older, but is he in good shape? He's in great shape. Him and I hung out for about an hour last night, so yeah, he's in good shape because he can talk you to death if need be.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, so can I on a given day. (laughs) Do you remember the very first time you met some of the great radio DJs like Cousin Brucey, and you probably met Wolfman Jack, and Mm. then folks of that era, Alan Freed even. Wolfman
7: Jack, of course, Dick Clark, and then there was uh, uh, Jocko Henderson.
8: Jocko, right.
7: Oh. Uh, uh, There was uh, Papa Hot Rod and... he was uh, Jack uh, Big Daddy Holmes, and uh, oh man, yeah, I, I know all of them. Jerry Blab I still talk to uh, uh, about once a month.
0: Jerry Blab, yes, that is another name from the from the a blast from the past, as it were, or a, a blast <laughs> from the past. Yes. So, <laughs> can you remember though the very first time you both heard your song on the radio? And the first time you ever went to a radio station to be, like, interviewed or to push a record.
7: Can you put us there? We were, yeah. I, I was sitting on my, on my front porch with me and a couple of my friends and, and, and my mom and my grandma. This was in Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. And, uh, and, and you know, down south, you always, you know, you kind of sit out on the front porch and everybody comes by, you wave and toot your horn, you know. And we were there, they had the radio on out there. And all of a sudden, the song comes on New Orleans. And and Jack Holmes, Daddy, Daddy Holmes said, and that's a new record by, I mean, meanwhile, we were static on the porch, my whole family and I. <laughs> and that was a new record by uh, one of uh, Norfolk's own, Gary U.S. Bond. Wow. And I went, Gary, who the hell is Gary U.S. Bond? I only been in the show business two minutes and somebody's already stolen my record. Oh, I didn't know they had changed my name from Gary Anderson to U.S. Bonds by then.
0: How can they, I mean, what, your manager, there's a story about that on, on Wiki, but tell us. Your manager just felt that um, it was a better name somehow, or your, your old name conflicted with something. What was the story?
7: No, he uh, wanted to use Gary U.S. Bonds. Uh, the whole story is, there was a guy next door, had a delicatessen called Mr. cod next door to the studio.
9: Yeah. Mr. Card was a big uh, fan. Oh, okay, Of, yeah. of U.S. bonds, he had the big
7: statue of, of Uncle Sam, and he had this huge flag and also a huge, huge banner in his store of a United States Savings Bond. And, um, and during that era, that, that was the time that they were trying to sell them, And he was, he was one of the big guys trying to sell it out there. So Frank thought that was a great idea. He put that on the label, on the sleeve of the 45, and sent it to the DJ, DJs. And it was titled, Buy U.S. Bonds. But the, B-Y, not B-U-Y. Right, right, right. The DJs thought it was a promotion for United States savings bonds. Oh,
0: that's marvelous. So they were compelled perhaps to play it even more than they would have just a new single.
8: They thought, oh, well, I should I'm play this from the government. they
7: were going to promote U.S. bonds, And some of them, they'd already did the, the intro to U.S. bonds, And then they put on this record. <laughs> and all of a sudden this music comes out. And they went, well, what, what happened here?
6: I said,
0: This was um, New Orleans was your first hit hit. That was and then the first quarter one,
7: yes. Quarter to three came later. Was was right? Yeah, it was it was New Orleans first, and then Not Me was the right. second record uh, that the Orleans did about three years later. But Not Me was the second one, and that was banned on the radio because they said it had dirty language in it.
8: Now wait a minute. What what is dirty about Not Me?
7: uh... come on over baby let's have some fun yeah. uh... and i'll punch you in your face
8: oh well that's pretty uh, it, yeah, I
7: dirty was, i mean i, I was uh, I, I was a bad guy i, I was a red fox of the uh, sixties <laughs> <laughs> well do you remember writing... Uh, did
0: you write the lyrics to the song or were you just uh, singing that one
7: that was uh... joe Royce. Uh, actually wrote that uh, he was uh... laughingly referred to as the, as the so he had written. It was a country song, and I
0: changed it around. But the, the lyrics were his, including the so-called naughty-ish lyrics. Uh, that, that, oh right yeah, up.
7: well I'm sorry, but yeah, oh, not me. Yeah, I wrote that.
0: Oh, you did write that one. Okay. That well, I did write.
7: No, Orleans was Joe Royce, too.
0: I'm sorry. Okay, good. So, so you are the naughty boy. You are the the, the bad person talking about punching people and come down to uh, to my place. We'll have some fun. I ooh,
7: know, ooh. but if those guys are still living right <laughs> Oh, I said much this worse. Age, you could say anything. <laughs>
0: Uh, singing in church and then you, you flipped to sort of the blues and the rock and roll but you said uh, your family was ecstatic hearing your music on the radio so there was no problem in the fact that you were you were moving from church music to secular music
7: well I only did church music right there in Norfolk and, and basically only at one church uh, because the reverend there used to love to hear me sing and I would go by his church every Sunday and he would tell the people in there that uh, Gary's going to come in and sing. And he'd give me five dollars. Ooh, wow. And uh, we'd, I'd come in, I'd sing my little song, and then I'd leave out. And me and the boys would run down the street and buy a bottle of uh, orange vodka. Oh, God. <laughs> How old were you? <laughs> At the time, I was like 17. But you could always get somebody to go in and get it for you. Wait, we, we were, but did you say 17 or 7? Seven? 16 to 17 16,
0: 16 year old oh, right. at the well, time when that happened yeah oh my we, then uh, did the priest have any idea where where his money was going
7: where the collection of course i wouldn't tell him that i told uh, him i was going to give it to my
8: mother oh well. yeah. you were a bad boy like were you a juvenile delinquent of some sort i was probably a big liar there and i talked
7: dirty right
0: well, we know how dirty you're talking. I mean, it's not so bad, but I'm just wondering if you're doing anything else even worse than, than buying underage vodka, um, you know, with with a money from a priest, for God's sakes.
7: No, I mean, that, was, uh, that, was about as, that was about as hard as that got back then. <laughs> I mean, I would take,
0: uh, you know, the the rabbi would give me money, but I would just go buy, you know, bakery goods. Yeah,
8: right. <laughs> that wasn't that bad.
0: Now, now, you make a joke early, I think off the air, to um, to either me or, to, or Dave, who is the host of this radio program, about, boy, you wish you knew how to get rich quick or, or, you know, make a lot of money in a day, that sort of thing.
8: But oh, yeah.
0: What I'm wondering is who had a gold record in 1961 with a quarter to three. Yeah. Didn't that generate money or was were those the days when the Argus got next to nothing i mean it should make a huge difference in your lifestyle at least
8: at the time
7: yeah it did but you know unfortunately during those days you didn't get everything that was uh, supposed to come to you there were a lot of hands in the pot so by the time you got down to your portion you know the, the food was already consumed
8: Good Lord, but
7: but let me
0: ask though. I mean, you hear all these stories all the time about yeah. there's all this money being made, and it just trickles to the Argus. But at the same time, for a little period of time, the Argus has a nice car. They get a lot of free nice food. They get hookers, whatever it is. Did you at least enjoy the spoils for a bit?
7: Wait a minute. What get hookers? Well, um... <laughs> uh, see. I told you you get robbed back in those days. <laughs> well. <laughs> no it uh, you know they, even, <laughs> even like with some of the records i got you know like i wrote quarter to three me and daddy g uh-huh. but, but when you look on the record when it comes out there's always somebody else involved uh, not me i wrote that alone. S- uh, school is out me and daddy g but uh, like i said there's, there's too many hands in the pot so you don't know well,
0: later on, by like 20 years later, let's say, by the 1980s, when you're still making records, there, uh, do you have at least a bit more control so that what you were releasing may not have sold a million uh, copies anymore, but at yeah. least
7: at that oh, point... No, I had to uh, realize what was going on. I was only about three years three years later that I, I changed that whole act around. Oh, very nice. Good. No, I changed that around, but I would already, you know, Quarter to Three was a big, 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 big hit for me. So I kind of lost out on that, and and, uh, and not me, and, and school is out, but the rest of it I did pretty good with, you know?
0: So have you been able to live comfortably as a musician from the very beginning, from like the, the 1950s all the now, way through now?
7: Well, that that's that's all I've ever done. I mean, that's my only job has been that since I was a teenager. That's all I've done was sing. I've never had another job. Well, I, I did, I, that's a lie. I did have. I had two other jobs. One, my father-in-law hired me to work with him. He was he was a chef. Ooh. He hired me to work with him in the restaurant, you know, and uh,
8: that lasted a week. Oh, so he fired me. Why? Why did he fire you? Were you, were you burning things? Were you? Uh... No. Well, actually, what happened was one day, at,
7: uh, about the second day that I was there, because I had to be in there at nine o'clock, which meant I had to get up at, you know, 730 to to start heading out at eight to be there at nine. Right. And uh, I had a bright idea, and I said, hey, look, Pop, uh, I don't understand why I got to be at the restaurant at nine o'clock, because... There's nobody in the restaurant. I'm just washing dishes, you know, cleaning pots and pans. And there's no dirty pots and pans and dishes at nine o'clock. They don't get dirty until around 11, 11.30. So I'll just come in then.
9: Oh, well. And
7: he fired me. Oh. <laughs> it made perfect sense to me. It, it does make sense. I mean, why didn't he just
0: explain to you why you had to come in earlier for various reasons instead of just firing you on the that door? Did he try to explain his motives?
7: Well, yeah, he did, but uh, but Mom wouldn't let him get too far.
8: Oh. <laughs> oh, well.
7: oh, well. I thought it was going to be a story where you were pouring
0: orange vodka on people's French toast. And yeah, exactly. A whole diner full of alcoholics, I guess. But um, So what was the other, you mentioned there were two other
8: jobs.
7: Yeah, then my buddy got me a job at Atlanta shop, a woman's uh, dress shop. And, um,
8: well, that must have been fun. I did. Well, I, I got fired from that because you know the, the big long dress boxes that
7: come in. Yeah. And so I was upstairs and I was supposed to be sorting out the boxes and the uh, owner came up and caught me sleeping in one of the dress boxes on top of the dresses.
8: Uh, <laughs> naughty, <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty. But
0: then again, were you also, was this before you were doing your music, or, or was it at the point when all night long you'd be playing with bands and doing clubs and stuff like that? Oh,
7: it was during that, during that time, too, you know, because I was doing, it was, I was right there in town.
8: Oh, my gosh. Well, by the way, we are talking with Gary U.S. Bonds,
0: who has been a, uh, a restaurant worker for a week and and a, a dress shop worker for another week and a musician for, my gosh, what would it be
8: now? We, we'd be talking about 58 years, roughly. Yeah, I can't do math. Nineteen fifty-fifty-nine. 1959, I started professionally. My goodness.
0: So so what was, I, it's an, an impossible question, but what would you say is the like the most exciting, top, funnest, greatest moment of your professional life?
7: Um, I guess probably meeting uh, uh, Elvis in Vegas years and years ago. Yeah. Uh,
0: wow. Now, th- was this big fat on the toilet peanut butter sandwich
7: Elvis? No, no. This is a, this is a slim, good-looking guy that uh, had a, had the world by its tail. What? So. You met him? I, I'll bet he was really courteous and polite. Is that true? One of the sweetest uh, people I've, I've met ever. And uh, he invited me. He, he sent a card out for me to Flingo. I was there with uh, the Dick Clark Caravan Stars. Oh, my. And in um, my room. And then this guy came, chauffeur came and said, Mr. President would like you to like for you to come down to the hotel and uh, spend some time with him. So uh, there's another long story to that, but anyway, I got in. Into- well,
1: well then, then
0: you, can, you can tell the story. That's what we're here for. Is it an interesting story?
7: Well, i just gotten into the hotel. We had been flying, you know, back in those days. They didn't have the quick flights to Vegas. You, you took the prop and It took you a long time to get there. Okay. And um, so I, we were pretty tired when we got there. like me and the Shirelles and the Coasters, the Drifters, a bunch of us. And, um. I got into the bed and I was laying there and then the phone rings and this guy says, hi, this is uh, so-and-so-and-so. I'm the chauffeur for Elvis Presley and uh, Mr. Presley would like to see you down at the hotel. Uh, could you come down? And I thought it was one of the guys joking. Well, okay. So I says, hey, look, I don't know who this is, but uh, don't do this. Let me get some sleep. You know, I, get, I, I, I- got a show to do later on. Uh, and I slammed the phone down. Oh, a couple of seconds later, the guy calls back. Anyway, he did this for like three times. To finally, he said, look, you, you got to do me a favor. Trust me, I'm not getting around here. Just come downstairs for a second. You'll see You know who I am. I got on the chauffeur's jacket, the chauffeur's cap, and the car is parked right out front. Shut up, I went down, and there it was. It was the guy there with the big, long, stretched white limousine with Elvis tags on the back, and and that was it. I finally had a chance to go. But that took about an hour for him to get me to come downstairs oh to do that. And then I went down there and uh, waited around about, oh, I guess 40, 45 minutes in this big empty room with two chairs. That was it. Just, just a big ballroom with two chairs in it. And eventually uh, Elvis came in. And uh, yeah, and we just sat down and we talked to, uh, you know, man stuff. And, well, um,
0: wait, wait,
7: d- and, uh, What is man? St- what did you do? What
8: do you remember about your conversation?
7: Well, you know, we just talk about, you know, who do, who looked good out on the
8: road, we're talking about the girl singers and <laughs> yeah, who's like what, you know, and uh,
7: and then he talked about music styles and uh, you know, how the coasters were so much fun with their records and he wanted to know how I made mine. I was just we did about 2 hours of just uh You know,
0: silly stuff. Now, you didn't have guitars or there were no instruments. You didn't jam or anything. You were just talking, sitting in chairs talking.
7: Yep, just him and I sitting down having a a, a conversation, you know. Now, did
0: you ever run into him again or have any other
8: meetings with
7: him? Well, he invited me down that night uh, because our show show was early. He said, come down to my late show, and I want you to be my guest of honor. And uh, I went down there, and he sat me right right in the front in the middle booth. You know, in Vegas, they got those those big big booths up there that sit there with cushions all on them and set up the bottle of champagne and some hors d'oeuvres and flowers and all. And it's only me. And so I felt so uncomfortable just sitting there (laughs) by myself and all these hundreds and hundreds of people around me. Looking at me like I'm the king of Farouk or something. <laughs> yeah. Until <And> so finally, <laughs> and uh, he introduced me and uh, from stage and just made a big deal out of it. I, that was really thrilling to me.
0: That that is very 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 nice. But you after that night and that day, no contact, no me- other. Uh, Never got to see him again. That's a oh well, but but you know what? You have a wonderful memory of seeing him in the prime. That's that's pretty neat.
8: That's, yeah, I had to settle for Wayne Newton. <laughs> No, okay. what do you mean sail for Wayne settle for there was nothing wrong with Wayne Newton. Not at all. He's one of my,
7: my next greatest entertainer I've ever seen.
8: Now, is it true that he's um,
0: he's currently broke? Is that the deal, or he's having all sorts of financial trouble, which astonishes me? Since uh, you know he's got this sweet gig uh, in, in I, Vegas. I,
7: you know, whenever I hear about those guys being broke, those guys, and I'm thinking, my, you know, I, I should get to that level of broke. <laughs> I usually have it. Well, they broke. Is I only got 10 million left. Oh, isn't that awful? Yeah. Isn't that terrible? I don't uh, know how I'm going to buy my next island.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, now, another person that you are uh, or uh, were friends with and apparently close friends was the late Otis Redding. Uh, yeah, Otis the- was
7: a very good friend of mine. He's a, he, was, he was a sweetheart. He was a sweetheart as, as well as a bunch of other guys that I know, you know. But Otis was one of the, It was just a, a big baby.
8: What do you mean?
7: Well, you know, just a big guy. You would think he was so intimidating, you know, and you sit down with him. He was just like, uh, it was a teddy bear. That's so, a big teddy bear. He was a sweetheart.
0: Did you, in, in your knowing him, did you get any clues to what made him tick musically? Um, how he had as much soul as anybody who ever sang in that form?
7: Oh, yeah. Well, when I first saw him, uh, my... My stepfather was from Macon, Georgia, so he used to take me down to Macon, Georgia, and and, and I'd go out to the to the little clubs because they had what they call the, uh, the the chitling clubs back down there. Right. And so I'd go in there and and watch him. And at that time that I was seeing him, he was he was imitating a lot of people, mostly a Little Richard. And he had a big uh, oh eight ten piece band, I think it was. I know it was a large band. And he was doing, you know, I mean, just like Little Richard, and all, those, all those guys he was imitating. He was great doing that. Um, when he got to Otis Redding, to his style, that came from when he got in the studio and uh, just kind of fiddling around. He wanted to do, I think what happened was somebody, the producer fired at the studio that day and notice him. Well, I got a song, and I think he got. I think he did. These arms of mine, or something. Oh written. wow! Yeah. And the guy let him go ahead and uh, record that, and that became a big R and B hit for him. Well, it was great. Yes. And, and he created that that style of singing from right then at that, that at that point. These arms
10: are mine.
0: So did you yourself imitate people before you found your own particular style or was it just a natural, you were always Gary Bonds, Gary U.S. Bonds
7: doing oh, it your I way? Used to love, I, I my, my, my greatest, my greatest, uh, uh, Got I wanted to be was Clyde McFadder
0: From, he was from, not the platters, so it was, uh, it was,
7: he was, he was from the Drifters. Drifters, Drifters, thank you, yes. He was with the, with the Drifters, the early Drifters. Um, I used to, what did, what did he have up before? There was a lovey dovey and, uh, you know, the Ryan Lord ring my front doorbell, one of those. I forgot the name of it. But that was one of his first songs and I used to try to imitate him or emulate him. It, and, and I couldn't I couldn't get my underwear tight enough to get those hard notes like he did. So I just kind of gave up on him. Then oh, I started see. trying to do Sam Cooke oh, and I couldn't my. sing that doggone good. So Marty. I said, well, you know, maybe I better find my own style because doing these other people ain't working out too good for me.
0: Well, the reason I talk the way I do is I wear a hernia truss. See, I have I, a beautiful Pavarotti-like voice, but I have to oh, wear okay. this, this very tight hernia truss, and it, it makes me sound like this. So it's, it it's, <laughs> it's very sad, actually. I uh, what can I tell you? I
7: don't <laughs> think they were out when I, when I was there. That could be.
0: <laughs> we're talking with the delightful Gary U.S. So we want to remind everybody, we haven't even mentioned this, but um, he has a book and a CD out together, that you get the CD with the book, it's all this combined thing, it's called That's My Story, and I'm sticking to it, it's co-written with Stephen Cooper, and it has a foreword by little Stevie, Stephen Bang's Zandt, and by the way, just to add on to this for the big celebration of the book and the CD, the 74th birthday, happy birthday to you, just about, by the way. Thank you, yes. 74th birthday celebration will be at B.B. King's Blues Club, with appearances by Ben E. King, Darling Love, little Stevie, of course, and and someone you've known for a very, very long time. Why don't you tell us about this?
7: Well, you've been, Chuck Jackson's going to be there, you know, and, and it looks like uh, Bobby Rydell says he wants to show up. So that's going to be good, you know. Other than that, you know, we, we got
0: some surprises. Well, wait, 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 but also, also, I'm talking, uh, the, the man who was on your earliest hits instrumentally.
8: Oh, yeah, yeah, he's going to be Daddy G. Daddy G, Gene, Daddy G Barge, the saxophonist. Yeah, he, he don't, he, he's 86 years old. And,
7: oh, my God, he, he, he'll scare both of us because he acts like he's 26. Oh, that's what, well, do you, let me ask you,
0: you're, you will be 74 in a couple of days. Yeah. How, how do you, thank God, you said you were healthy, you said you're you're fine. Have you slowed down at all? Do you feel any different from the way you did when you were 24, 34?
7: Only with my back. I heard it playing golf and it won't heal. <laughs> Playing golf. That's the only thing. I just can't hit the ball as far as I, as I used to. But you, uh, I do hit it straight.
0: You are kind of known for playing golf. You, you do a lot of charity tournaments, and that's been a, a thing. Yeah. How long have you, How many years have you been playing
7: golf? Oh, I started that when I was, what, I think, 13 years old.
8: Oh, my gosh.
7: Yeah, I found this 8-iron on the golf course down in Norfolk, and, uh, and I just started swinging the club, and then finally I... I, 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 I the, the, the golf pro out there had me hustling all his clients because I could go out there and play with all those. Well, you know, there was segregation back down in, in Norfolk at that taste Right. And there was this little black kid beating up on all these rich white people out there on the golf course with one club. I mean, it's before
0: Tiger Woods. Let me tell you, it's like it's.
7: And and, and, and the pro there was supporting me. He would sucker them in for me. Nice. Of course, he'd take, all of, he'd
8: take half of the
0: money anyway. Well, yeah. well at least he didn't take 80-20. I didn't take He took 50 of it, but uh,
7: he'd get a month. Oh, yeah, play the kid. He's got money, and he'd back me. <laughs> well, no, but this also
0: brings up, I mean, we, you, you've danced around the edges of this because you mentioned August Redding on the, the chitling circuit, as it were, and then now with the segregation. I mean, how much has... Segregation and racism in America, and your being a black person—how much did that hold you back? How did that affect you in doing what you've done since the 1950s?
7: Well, it, it, it did. It did set me back. It wasn't as easy, but you know, you, 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 you just work twice as hard till you get to what you want. I mean, everything's possible. But at, during those days back then, you had to—I mean, you have places to work. There were places you couldn't go. Right. We easily to, uh, there for the white artists to make money with, and we had to settle for little, you know, backyard chicken joints or whatever we could to make to scrape out five or ten dollars. But you know, you do what you got to do to get where you got to go. And even like when you hear the stories about
0: the jazz people who were who were touring, and I assume this affected you and your bands um, yeah. in the fifties as well. Like when you would go to play a place, you would have to stay in a hotel or a motel that was specifically for colored people as opposed to being able oh, yeah. to... Yeah, I mean, this was all part
8: of just what you had to do.
7: I remember coming back from Suffolk, Virginia, but uh, me and the band I, had, I was with it that, that night was called Sleepy, Sleepy King's Band. I don't know, that, that was what he called himself, Sleepy King. Uh-huh. And it was Sleepy King's Band, me, and Ruth Brown. Now, of course, you know Ruth of course. Brown. Yes, and, uh, and she was just singing with me that uh, at, at during that time and we get stopped on route 13 coming back and by the police and then make us take all the equipment out of the, out of the car because we're traveling in cars now we didn't have buses and vans and all that stuff you know right and I had to take it out on the highway and start playing because they wanted to hear us play and uh, that's what we did this is like two three o'clock in the morning so, and then they go, all right, yeah, you guys you guys are all right. Okay, y'all go ahead now. Then we got to pack the stuff back up and then head on down the road.
8: Well, that, as awful
0: as that is, is that at least the worst incident that you recall of, of coming up against,
7: you know, point blank? Yeah, no, we did there was no beatings or hangings or anything, thank God, you know.
8: Well, yeah, thank God. I mean, back then, you know, yeah, back then. So, wow, wow.
0: We're talking with Gary U.S. Bonds, who is going very strong at age almost 74. Can, can I ask, there, there's some um, people on some level tend to be a little disparaging of what they call oldies acts, like when the, the plaggers or the drifters or whoever will get up, they'll go on cruise ships, they'll do their thing, and and sort of look down upon in some ways by the rock intelligentsia, by the, the critics or the hip people, so to speak. How do, you, how do you straddle the line between doing nostalgic work, playing songs from 50 years ago, and also trying to do new
8: stuff?
7: Well, that's it. I mean, I never stopped trying to do new stuff. Uh, a lot of the guys just give up and, and, and stop recording. And then, uh, you know, they get very... They get off when somebody says well you got to do an oldie show well you haven't tried to do anything new you know so don't get mad at them it's just sticking you where you are where you are but uh, me they don't know where to put me because every, every few months i'm out with a new album a new song a new something you know but and then i can go back and do those oldies i can go back and do it but i can come back and do the newies
8: I mean, yeah, the Rolling Stones are an oldies act too, but nobody nobody seems to mind that so much, you know. Nobody that's...
7: seems to mind that the Rolling Stones. Oh my God, yeah, they're back. In the, they are back in the day. Well, not as old as me, but they're back there.
0: Just, just getting getting only a
8: few years difference, really. Just that's a couple. That's right. Of... Yeah. Now, one one person who or, or group. Paul oh, that... Anker, You know, they don't say anything about him being an oldie. Who's that? Who? Paul Anka. Oh, um, well, under discussion. (laughs) (laughs) Come on,
0: what was the last Paul Anka song you, you heard on the radio? Uh, <laughs> just singing along my way, I
7: guess it was that he didn't sing it <laughs> right, yeah,
8: and that's only 40 years back, come on Paul I, I know, I know, but um, uh, yeah that's the last one, I, I remember but, but okay, but let's the, the people who helped keep you regenerated, because
0: okay, you had your big hits in the early 60s and then the British Invasion came and knocked a lot of people out of the box, and I'm sure the 70s was kind of, certainly a little difficult for oh, you, yeah. Um, in the sense of not getting the airplane, not getting the, you, but you still just made records and you toured. Is that how, how you how you got by when? That's the, it. Well, during yeah. the
7: seventies, uh, that was all disco era. Uh, that, uh, yeah, I did I did a lot of the what they call the Holiday Inn circuit. The hotels were doing a lot of shows there and their, and their little ballrooms and stuff, you know. So I did those a lot. And, you know, I actually did some malls. Okay. They used to have a thing where you could go to malls and play, you know. That, that was disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but you could make a couple of shekels here and there, you know. Yeah,
0: and some people would discover it. I think the, the, the uh, singer Tiffany was yeah. discovered in the Long
8: Island Mall. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know? uh,
0: hey, a space is a, pa- a space. You put up an amplifier, a guitar, you start playing. Wherever the hell
7: it is, it is, you yeah. know.
0: And you in some ways... You
7: gotta go where you gotta go.
0: It beats a chicken shack joint.
7: You know? no. no, not really, because you did get some good chicken.
0: That's right. All you get in the mall is KFC. You're right. right. <laughs> but what happened in, in the 1980s where you got hooked up with Little Stevie and and that whole group and something exploded for you? Tell, Please tell.
7: Well, that was good. But Bruce came to see me at a show in Jersey. Uh, I think the club was called the Red Baron or something. Had a big uh, stupid airplane on top of the roof. And uh, I was in there working. I had no idea who he was. He came in and uh, a couple of his buddies came up and said, look, uh, a friend of mine is sitting there with us. He wants to come up and sing a couple of songs with you. Is said, okay. And I went, sure. They told me his name and I went back up and I said, well, this is going to give me a chance to go get me a beer. (laughs) I said, hey, ladies and gentlemen, here's a fellow out there. I want you to meet. He's a great guy, you know. Give him a nice round of applause. He'll do a good job for you. Bruce Springsteen. And the crowd went absolutely berserk.
0: So he was already famous at the very famous at this, but you had never heard of him. I had never heard of him because I was working the you know the, the Holiday Inn circuit. I wasn't listening to
7: radio. I was trying to learn new songs, but basically in That Bruce Springsteen song
0: Right. Well, yes. So so he gets up there, and then suddenly you realize, oh, I probably I've, I've been missing something here.
8: I know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What happened here? Who who is this? And did you get your beer or did you stick around to watch him sing? I stuck around and I I never got the beer. I stuck around and him and
7: I, we, we stayed on stage for about an hour and a half just singing all kinds of songs. And the crowd was just going, wow.
8: I can, I, I can totally imagine that. And, and yeah. then you became,
0: it wasn't just one of these one-time things. You have stayed in touch. They've been, they They played on your albums. He sung on your albums.
7: how, yeah, how we what became is the friends kid? that night, and from then on then, he invited me down a couple of weeks later to work with him at the stadium, uh, not stadium, at the a big Coliseum in Jersey. And I went over and did some songs with him there, and then he invited me down to the next uh, uh, venue he was working at. And I Songs there, And then we just, all of a sudden, I looked two or three years later, we, we were in the studio together.
0: That's, that's, so tell us something about either singing with or working with him in a studio, making music with him,
8: and or just hanging with him. Uh,
7: with, with Springsteen? Yeah. Oh, he's, he's a cool guy. He really is a nice, uh, it, just like you see him on stage, that's exactly how he is in person. Huh. He's the same guy. Nothing changes. Steve Van Zandt is also the same He's crazy.
8: He's crazy. Why <laughs> what what's what a crazy thing that you saw Steven Van Zandt do? Oh well first of all the badana. Oh. But <laughs> Uh,
7: He's just—he's just a talented guy. To sit and talk with him, he's uh, just—he's a laugh a minute. He's always joking, and he's got something humorous, humorous to say at all times. So you know, to have a conversation with him is like a lot of fun.
0: Oh, that's that's and any memories of the big man Clarence Clemens?
7: Yeah, well, Clarence and I we we, we kind of grew up together. Now he's he's from uh, he's from Norfolk. Oh, okay. Where I'm from, but actually, he actually was in Chesapeake. I was in Norfolk, which is like.
0: Point when you were starting to deal to be friends with Bruce and the E Street Band, did you then get close, uh, or were you close? Well, yeah, but well, you know. The girls, doesn't it?
8: I don't know why. Oh well, <laughs> look between your legs, you'll know why, of course.
7: <laughs>
8: well, I I, I, I haven't
7: seen a girl in over, 50, you know, I've been, I've been married now fifty years. This March, Mazel Tov, fiftieth anniversary! Congratulations!
8: Indeed, we did it to the same girl. Oh, oh, well, maybe not. Congratulations, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: and the, the interesting thing is, sometimes your wife and your daughter help you make music. Is this how you, you enjoy keeping in the family? Do they, they love all being part of it?
7: Oh, yeah, well, they travel with me. They're, they're my background singers on the road. Wow.
0: Well, yep. Yeah. And, and did because you are a person who has to tour to make a living and be in the studio, I mean, did you feel like on some level your daughter maybe missed out a little bit of a normal father childhood? Or, or by taking her into the background singing and all that, you're closer than most
7: families. Oh, she was with me. Now, my, my wife was also with the Love Notes years ago. They had a couple of big hits back in there before me. Oh. And then, uh, and then she uh, left left that and hooked up with the New Century Platters, who were based out of Canada. Okay. And so uh, and they to it for 10 years together. So when my when my daughter wasn't with me she was with my wife on the road with her so she's always been on she's been on the road since she was like a, a
8: teeny teeny baby
0: so she doesn't actually know anything else she must she must be so used to it and love it now and then she gets to to go all over the do tour internationally with the family
7: oh yeah oh yeah yeah we just we just got back uh, she was in europe she, she's also produces with me and writes with me and she handles the studio here with me, also. So we do
0: everything together. That's 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 wonderful. Now, speaking of international things, I do have to ask. that one of the things on your bio and resume is the fact that you headlined the tour uh, years ago with a couple of uh, young British men who who went on to do a couple of good things.
7: Yeah, you, you know, and, and, and the story of that, I don't know why they they, they keep. Is why we didn't put it in the book because the only reason i said that it was the beatles that backed me was because that's what my manager frank guida told me uh i come to find out sometimes he lies so i don't i really don't know until i can confirm it that they were really the beatles that backed me
0: so it could have been just a couple of other British, it could have been a Dave Clark Five, for all you knew. It could know.
7: have been a Dave Clark
0: Because this is in 19, what, this would have been late 50s, early 60s then, before, obviously, you know, they, they may have been the Silver Beetles or, or nothing, you know, could have been Stu Sutcliffe, for all you know.
7: Yeah, I don't know, but uh, let's see, it was me, uh, Gene uh, G McDaniels was on the show, and and Johnny uh, Burnett, okay. the headlining.
0: Don't know these these people. Can I ask, is your manager, that guy, still alive, or is he gone?
7: No, he's gone.
0: Oh, so how would you find out whether or not? What would be a method to find out whether you were actually backed by, you know, John Lennon, Paul McCartney?
7: I'd have to go back and, and see if, if, I, and, uh, if I could find who booked the show. Uh, or, or maybe there's something in the papers there from, what year was that,
0: 1962, 62 yeah, or 63? Well, 63, well, they
7: would have known. Yeah,
0: 63 it's, already. The oh. Beatles were, were so enormous, uh, at least in England, that I mean, it's it's unlikely that. Well, who knows? Maybe.
7: Maybe. Could. I mean, Let me tell you something. If I can find one of my fans over there from. Uh, unfortunately, my fan club president died. Oy. So I can't ask him, but if I could find somebody that was in the fan club over there, they might be able to to, to root it out for me, you know? What's kind
0: of funny is my fan club president wants (laughs) to die. He says, I can't believe I'm following this man. I wish someone would shoot me. It's it's, it's, it's very tragic. We're finishing up our our fabulous conversation with Gary, U.S. Bonds. Again, I just want to remind people that... um, He's going to be 74 years old with Mazel Tov, And on June 5th, is that the date, June 5th, is when you turn 74?
7: June 6th is the actual date. Ah. Well, June 5th is where we go to B.B. King's.
0: So the night before, so you'll probably stay up and party just so you can be awake at 12.01 for well, your
7: at Well, 12, at 12 o'clock, that, that will, still will be into the book signing. Because as soon as I do my show, we're going to move from B.B. King's to the club right downstairs from it called Lucille's. Are we doing the book signing
8: there? Oh, I'm glad you. I'm so
0: glad I brought that up. So yes, it's um his new book. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Which this was the
7: book is is, is buy U.S. bonds.
0: Oh, the name. Oh, I'm sorry. The name of the book is Buy U.S. Bonds. Yeah. And then the CD is That's My Story, and I'm sticking to it. Record. Okay. Oh, I knew this was confusing. And you get the <laughs> CD and the book together. So maybe if you mix them all together, it's like,
8: that's my U.S. Gary story sticking to Bonds. It's
7: yeah, my in- U.S. Bonds, that's my story. And uh, the record is, uh, that's my story I'm sticking to. It. Now the record is just a four-minute version of what's in the book. So it, lyrically, it's pretty cool. You check it out, you see. This CD
0: is just a it's a one song CD or is it an album? One song CD. Oh, okay. Okay, boy, oh boy, did I have all my facts wrong? I'm sorry. So, but you get you get it free with the book. And by yes. the way, who's the publisher?
8: Wheatley Press. We, weekly spell it please. W h e a t l e y. Oh, like wheat wheat. It's, it's, it's sort of it waves at you like wheat. Wheat yeah, it waves. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> with a <laughs> forward by Stevie Van
0: end and also the book was co-written with Stephen Cooper. Kind of an as-told-to thing, I guess. And and so you can get the book or bring it, of course, to B.B. King's Blues Club, right in Manhattan on 42nd Street on June 5th. And stay there and, and uh, he'll sign it. It'll be great. And you'll see all those wonderful people. So I guess the... um. Last quickie question or two for Gary U.S. Bonds. What's what's on your iPod? Do you do you even have an iPod? And if you do, what have you been listening to?
7: I, I do have an iPod. I, I've been listening to a lot of. Uh, uh, I, to, I, I I love this little kid, uh, Bruno Mars. I think he's great. you oh, know? yeah, of course, yes. And um, I still listen to some. Uh, listen to some old songs. I listen to. Of course, I listen to what is writing again. And then now I'm. I just got into this Beatles Come Together because I want to do that in my show. I love that song. It took me a long time to love that song. and Now I I can't get it out of my head. So I'm a little slow, I guess.
8: No, in fact, I talked
7: to... to, I listen to a lot of Beatles. Yes. Um, Of course, I can't help but listen to... uh, you know,
8: the king of rock and roll, you know, which, which I call Little Richard. So, oh, little, I thought you were going to say Elvis again, but Little Richard, of course, yes.
7: Yeah, no, but well, you know, here they they have the Elvis uh, station. I guess they got it everywhere. Well, oh, serious.
8: Oh, they have it. I got, didn't
0: realize that. I didn't know if you were serious about that. <laughs>
7: yeah, they got that. Have they have a, a, a serious. But mostly I listen to Little Stephen's garage uh, radio show.
0: Now, can I ask last question for Gary U.S. Bonds? Do you have a favorite song of all time? Not not of your own, but but that's someone else.
7: I uh, well, yeah, well, I have so many favorites. Oh, good, you know, uh, Rabbi. But I I, I I love singing uh, Spanish Harlem, Benny King, Spanish Harlem.
9: Oh, I think okay.
7: that's such a really neat song, you know. It's a beautiful song, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely great, you know, but...
0: Uh... And Benny King will be at your birthday party, which is also kind of kind of wonderful. And do you yeah, have... It is,
7: he's, he's my main buddy. We, we talk you know, all the time.
0: And in all I... your discography over the years, in the last, uh, you know, 50-something years, is there a song... I, I might not be able to find it or play it, but is there a song that you love that maybe people don't know about, that wasn't a hit single, that's buried on an album track, but but a song that you kind of wish millions of people knew that you did.
7: Well, the, the, there's a song that little Stephen did called uh, uh, Daddy's Come Home on the dedication album, which, I, which is the my greatest song of all times. You know, I love that song. And then there's a song that my, my daughter wrote called Just Like a Child which is a beautiful song, and, and, and that's, uh, that's on the American Men's album,
0: you know. Okay, we're going to have to look for those, look for the discography of Gary U.S. Bonds, 74 almost years old and going super strong and being a super delightful guest in the neighborhood. I, I can only wish you much, much more health, many more birthdays, and much more music. Thank
7: you so much. Oh, thank you so much, Rabbi S.O.
10: Starts. But I really don't know where to start. You see, the children have all gone away. I
6: don't think I'm What's taking their place? Hard. People's faces don't know.
0: Broadway, brought to you by Total Theaters, Performing Arts Insider, your everything theater guide. And it is time to go inside Broadway live on this June first, Saturday afternoon, one oh eight in the afternoon here, at Mountain Time at the University of Northern Colorado on UNCRadio.com as part of the Dave's Gone By Radio program featuring me, Dave Lefkowitz, and brought to you by Performing Arts Insider the Bible. Of Broadway since the mid-1940s. This is the journal where people in the industry look for every little important piece of information about every show on, off, or off-off Broadway, plus calendar listings, chronological listings of shows that are cabaret, opera, dance awards in the theater and performing arts it's all there in the hard copy pages of performing arts insider so visit performingartsinsider.com for more information on how you can subscribe to this wonderful magazine and and most trusted and this is one of those magazines where people just resubscribe to year after year even though It's expensive. It's worth every penny if you want to know all the details of what's happening all around the stages of New York. And it brings you Inside Broadway every week here on Dave's Gone by just letting you know what's happening in New York theater and theater around the country, too. Well, the uh, League of Broadway Theaters, otherwise known as the Broadway League, released its numbers last week because the season ended about three weeks ago. The big Broadway 2012-2013 season came to its natural conclusion about a month before the Tony Awards. Because if the season never ended, they'd never be able to gather everything up and have awards every year. So they did. And they released the figures on how Broadway is doing insofar as box office grosses and how many people are going, the attendance, And the numbers were flatlining. This year, a little bit, little bit down, Uh, nothing to get too terribly concerned about. Broadway shows did yield $1.14 billion in grosses. Um, To give you some comparison, last year it was about the same. I think there were half a million to $700,000 down for the year um, between last year and, and this season. Of course... Two things to keep in mind. First of all, that 700 thou, 500 thou, I mean, that's about what a hit play will make in a week. That's the grosses that will come in for a hit play. It'll make 550 grand, like Trip to Bountiful did last week. So it's it's almost an infinitesimal number when you consider that There are 30, 40 plays running over the course of a year on Broadway, and they're playing 52 weeks. And so if you figure one show one week down, uh, it's it's virtually the same as last year, and the fact that Broadway was hit by Hurricane Sandy. So they closed for a day or two, plus they also lost some tourist business, and they lost business coming, of course, from the burbs, the boroughs. Uh, Not a lot of Staten Island people, or Jersey people coming into Broadway for a couple of weeks. They had other things to deal with in October and November. So all things considered, the fact that the uh, grosses stay virtually the same is a good sign, except for the fact that attendance was down 6% to um, 11.6 million. It was 12.3 million the year before. So that's, that's a bit of a divot. That's lower significantly. But again, they're blaming that, a lot of that, on Hurricane Sandy and the fallout from that. And, you know, because that wasn't just a two-day event. It it was a a two-day event maybe in New York City. But if you spread out to the outer regions of people and tourists, it had its chunk that it took out of things. So you might ask, well, wait a minute, if Broadway attendance was down 6%, why did the Uh, I'm sorry, if Broadway box attendance was down 6%, why are the grosses virtually the same? Simple reason. Prices are astronomical. People will pay whatever they'll pay to see a big hit. As a matter of fact, I think I read somewhere that um, the Book of Mormon, the average price for Book of Mormon over that Memorial Day week and weekend, the average entry price for that show was over $200. Per ticket. Over $200 per ticket. And I mean... It ah, wasn't that long ago And I remember they had... Uh, Garth Dravinsky was running Ragtime on Broadway. And he had these things called VIP seats. Where you get a special playbill and you get to meet the cast. And you get a really the best seat in the house. It's it just a way of drumming up business. And those seats back then... 20 years ago... Were... 200 bucks. I think or maybe a little less, maybe 150 200 bucks. 200 This is just, at Book of Mormon, that's the average ticket price for the week. That's what people are actually paying just for regular seats to see that musical. It's a wonderful musical. It's very funny. But good God. But that's why, on a Memorial Day week, Book of Mormon's making $1.7, $1.8 million grosses. So, that's why also, uh, even though, Attendance is down. The people who are going are shelling out the bucks, and so it's keeping Broadway grosses for the year virtually the same. Anyway, some other news coming out of New York. Uh, You have just this weekend to catch Colin Quinn doing his latest solo show. It's called Unconstitutional, and it's closing on Monday at the Barrow Street Theater. It was a limited run, um, and it's all about 226 years of dysfunctional. American history via the Constitution, how we've twisted it, what we've done to it, what's wrong with it, what's right with it. So in Colin Quinn's jaded, cynical, and quite smart way, it's always interesting that Colin Quinn, with the voice, with the attitude, the persona, comes on as this kind of guy you'll meet in an Irish bar who's, you know, these dem doze a little bit. And then, no, he's very well-read, he's very smart, and he will deconstruct and reconstruct things that are historical or biblical, as he's done before. Anyway, he's gotten very nice reviews for that. I haven't, unfortunately, I have not been to New York to be able to see it. But if you want to see it, you have till Monday night. The Atlantic Theatre Company Off-Broadway has announced its roster of plays for its 2013-2014 season. And those include the first full-length play, new play, by Ethan Cohen one of the Cullen brothers of film fame, and uh, Big Lebowski, and Blood Simple, and all that. He's written a bunch of one-act plays, including uh, one that was kind of eh, that they did as part of that trilogy two years ago on Broadway with Woody Allen and Elaine May. Don't really remember uh, the name of that show, but at the Atlantic Theater, they'll be doing his first full-length piece. It's a comedy called Women or Nothing. It's all about a woman who will go through heaven and high water to have a baby. Even, God help us, Sleeping with a Man. That's uh, Joel Cohn's play. Uh, Joel or Ethan, Ethan Cohn's play. Also on the roster at the Atlantic Theatre Company, a new adaptation of The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. That was a book by Alan Sillitoe back in the 50s that was one of the beginnings of the angry young man movement over there of these plays and books of people who were this new young crop of, well, angry young working class or lower middle class folks who didn't see much for their prospects in England. And so uh, Silito wrote this book about this kid who's a petty criminal so he's put into a school that's almost more like a prison. His one talent is that he can run like wind. So he's winning races, and they want him to run for them. But how much of that is he doing really for himself? Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner, that's coming in January. And then they're doing a revival of the Three Penny Opera. And this is that original New York version with... Um, a book by, well, Bertolt Brecht, but it's adapted by Mark Blitzstein. He did the English lyrics and, and all that. Not one of these newfangled translations. The, um, the interesting part is it's going to be directed and choreographed by Martha Clark. And she's uh, you know, she did The Garden of Earthly Delights. She is a really respected and avant-garde Dance choreographer mostly, but she also works in theater. So, uh, it'll be, that'll be some interesting material for her to work with. Three Penny Opera coming in March and closing the Atlantic Theater Company off Broadway season will be a new play by Stephen Adley Gergis called Between Riverside and Crazy. It's all about this ex-cop and his ex-con son who are trying to hold on to their rent-controlled apartment even though they've they're got to deal with well, people who want the apartment or, or want them out of it, and then all these hangers-on who stay there because they'll have a place to stay. That's all the Atlantic Theatre Company season coming up this year. Hey, on Broadway, coming up two shows were announced this week. First of all, You've got, and this is kind of unexpected and a little bit exciting, it's a roundabout theater production of Machinal, which is a 1928 drama by Sophie Treadwell, kind of a a before-its-time show, all about a woman based on a true story. It actually happened in 1927, and then Sophie Treadwell turned it into a play one year later about this woman who just feels completely blocked into her life, kind of like the character in Loneliness of a Long Distance Runner. She's oppressed by society and what society demands of people and certainly of women back then. Uh, She feels completely boxed into her work, her marriage ends up marrying her boss, realizing that she hates him, (laughs) is bored, hates her life. She ends up having an affair and then is driven to, well... An extreme act that I'm not going to tell you about because you'll have to see Machinal. It will be at Broadway's American Airlines Theater. That's the one that the Roundabout owns uh, starting in January of 2014. And it will also star that beautiful actress Rebecca Hall making her Broadway debut. She's done a bunch of stuff in London. You also saw her – I think she won a Golden Globe Award for – Vicky Cristina Barcelona, the Woody Allen film. And she's been in a bunch of more indie sort of movies. She'll be playing the, um, the protagonist in Machinal that's happening in January at the American Airlines Theater. And wasn't expecting to see this, but here you go. Soul Doctor is coming back. They did kind of a workshop. Well, no, a full staging of this off-Broadway at New York Theater Workshop last summer. And this is the story of the rabbi, no, not Rabbi Saul Solomon. that other rabbi, Shlomo Karlbach. And he was, uh, well, how do you de- describe him? He was this very charismatic rabbi, came out of, got out of Nazi Germany with his family in the 50s, went all through Europe, and wound up in New York for a bit. Um, his, I think his brother or his father uh, started running a synagogue on the Upper West Side that he ended up taking over. Anywho, In the 50s, he also discovered that he had a talent for singing and making very pretty melodies. So he would take Hebrew prayers or passages from the Bible and put them to these melodies with his guitar and become a folk singer as part of what he was doing for his rabbinical duties. But then he started playing in the local folk clubs like the Bitter End and the Village Vanguard and the Village Gate. And this brought him into the 1960s, became kind of popular – then the mid-60s happened. He went off to play in a folk festival in Berkeley, California, became quite enamored of the whole countercultural, anti-war hippie movement, adopted some of that into also his teachings and his way of running the synagogue, came back to New York and then ended up running a shul for many years after that, and still performing, and still doing concerts and making albums. He, he made some wonderful music, especially early in his career, and that's why the um, the subtitle of Soul Doctor is Journey of a Rock Star Rabbi. Well, he didn't really become that famous outside Jewish circles. In Jewish circles, he was something of a rock star, a major presence, and and quite talented. But the, the amazing thing was that when he was in California, he met with and I think jammed a little bit with the Grateful Dead. <laughs> He met people like Dylan and all these folks because he was in that scene for a while. So they turned this into a musical, a musical that they actually brought on tour first. They brought it to Florida to check it out, took it to a couple of other places. Back then, Gary Morris, the country singer, was in there in a major role. Um, He, uh, I have to say, did not get very good reviews, and he's no longer with the project. Uh, I was lucky enough to have him as a... Guest on this show, I guess about two years ago. You can go to our archives and hear that because he was very nice, very fun, charming to talk to. I think he talked to Rabbi Saul rather than me. I would have to go back to our archives to hear that too. But anyway, if you want to hear him talk about the early stages of Soul Doctor when they were first tinkering with it and putting it together and then bringing that on tour and to Florida, then go look for Gary Morris on the Dave's Gone By archives at com, But the show is now on its way to Broadway. Couldn't believe, you know, they announced the show two years ago as Broadway bound. And everybody was thinking, no, no, can I, can I, no. But here it is. It's going to be at Circle in the Square soon. It's going to start in July, uh, late July and open on August 15th at Circle in the Square Theater, right on 50th Street in Midtown Manhattan. It has a book by Daniel S. Wise, lyrics by David Schechter, but of course the music, most of it, is adopting all those Shlomo-Karlbach melodies. The, the one thing, of course, that I'm hoping that they, they do get into the play, they say that it covers the fact that he was a controversial figure in internal Jewish circles, in orthodox Jewish circles because he did get enamored of the whole hippie counterculture, and he was also a progressive in a lot of ways. He wanted women more involved in the run services and being involved in the temple and doing things, whereas there was a lot more segregation in the old-school, heavily Orthodox Jewish tradition or modern tradition of the Lubavitch and those sorts of folks. The um, the problem was he... he wanted women a little too much and in some wrong ways and after his death a big story came out in Lilith magazine of people more than one and and very seemingly legitimately pointing fingers and saying he was um abusive sexually he was trying to molest women uh, sometimes women younger than 18 or 16 He would call women up um, that were in his congregation, or they'd go out on camping trips and stuff, and then he'd call them at three in the morning um, to talk, supposedly, about biblical and spiritual matters, but they can basically tell over the phone that he was masturbating. So, not exactly the angel soul doctor that he passed himself off as, don't know if the Musical actually goes there, and there'll probably be some protests if it doesn't, so we'll be looking out for that. But anyway, Soul Doctor is coming to Broadway in the weeks ahead. Coming to Broadway just a couple of days from now, on Monday night, at the Music Box Theater is the Theater World Awards, the annual awards that um, honor Broadway debuts or at least in big, major, important roles. People who've never been on Broadway before, did a wonderful job, are honored by Theatre World. Among the honorees this Monday night will be Bertie Carville, who's in Matilda the Musical, uh, Carrie Coon from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, uh, Shalita Grant, in Vanya and Sonya and Masha and Spike. Tom Hanks, winning a debut award after all these years for his role in Lucky Guy. Uh, a couple of people from Here Lies Love, that off-Broadway musical at the Public Theater about Imelda Marcos. And Rob McClure for Chaplin. The musical, which came and went fairly early in the season, but his reviews were quite wonderful. He was, he was great. I, I saw part of that show, um, Tom Sturridge and Orphans. Anyway, there'll also be a Lifetime Achievement Award. That's the first time they've done this. That's going to go to Alan Alda, while Johnny Orsini, who's in the Nance, is going to get the fifth annual Dorothy Loudon Award for Excellence. All of that, all of that, is happening this Monday night at the Music Box Theater with host Peter Felicia who's been on our show a few times himself. Hey, I um, want to let you know a couple of things before I get to a little bit of music. Thank you to the folks at Samuel French. Now, Samuel French are the big play publishers. If you see actors walking around with their scripts in these little books, little paperback um, books that they, they have and they mark up, Sometimes There are a few different companies that make those. There's Dramatis Play Service. There's a couple of others. But the big one, the granddaddy, is Samuel French. Well, the folks at Samuel French learned that I had interviewed, or Rabbi Saul had interviewed here, on my radio program, some of their playwrights. So they said, hey, we want to get in on this. Can we take those interviews and put them on our website? And I was like, well, yeah, sure, the more the merrier. Get the, the the stuff out there. Love to have these interviews out there for people to hear. And so folks like Ray Cooney, who was on Dave's Gone By a couple of months ago, Michael Weller, Gretchen Cryer, Arthur Bicknell, the guy who wrote Moose Murders, what was on the show just last month. So these are all going to be posted on samuelfrench.com. Guys, I don't know if they're up there already or the first- – going to be putting them up there. There's about five playwrights that they decided to highlight this way. You'll be able to listen to the interviews, download the MP3s as you can at davesgoneby.com. I've been saying this um, for the past few weeks. For years, we've been posting our full episodes online at davesgoneby.com. Almost every show that we've ever done from the very beginning, back in 2002, if you go to our website, you can either... Download as a podcast or just stream it on your computer, to download it to your hard drive. It's all there for you. But we never separated out the interviews. If you wanted to listen to them, you had to listen to the whole show or go to the whole show and then skim through you know, the music if you even want to hear it or my talk and, and get to the interviews. Well, you know, it, it just occurred to me for various reasons a few months ago that maybe we are, were not making the best use of this wealth of fantastic material that we have on this radio show week after week after week, and that has accumulated through 420-odd episodes, some odder than others. So we started plucking out the interviews and taking them out. So now, in a separate archive, also at the website, you can just click right on the interview. So you don't have to hear the whole show. It'll, It'll just play the talk. Or you can even find them on YouTube, on our YouTube channel, Dave's gone by. And there it, it's not like that visual, it's not like we had cameras on the folks or it's not like Charlie Rose. You're just hearing the audio with one picture in front of it. But still, if you if you want to deal with our website fine. Go to YouTube and you'll find a couple of hundred now interviews that we've done. We've we've done um we pulled out all the interviews now going back to October Of 2005. So we're getting there. We have just three years left to archive. It takes a while. It's been, I I didn't think it would take nearly this long to get through them. I didn't remember doing this many interviews. I thought, all right, we've done 400 shows. Maybe we've done 200 interviews. We've long surpassed that, mainly because over the past three, four years here at UNC Radio, because we've had more time, we do a three hour show unlike the hour-long show that we started doing when the show began. There's more time. We have time to talk to more people, and I'm encouraged to find more folks to talk to. So every week, almost, we have an interview or two on this show. We didn't used to, but still, man, the archives are just filling and filling. So many great folks that we've talked to over the years. Don't miss the opportunity to listen, whether you do it through davesgodby.com or whether you go straight to YouTube, but Easiest way to find them is davesgoneby.com. Just scroll down, go to the archive section. It's really easy to navigate and check it out. So anyway, that's all that way of saying that Samuel French is also going to take a couple of those interviews with their playwrights and put them on their website. And we thank them for that. Letting you know, it's by the way, 1.31 in the afternoon here, Mountain Time on uncradio.com. Finishing up Inside Broadway here, reminding you two things. First of all, start reading my reviews and my stories and my little video clips, seeing those at stagebuddy.com. It's this terrific website started a couple of years ago. They just did a major relaunch with, you know, they, they totally updated the website. It looks great. And it's a place to go where if you don't know what to do, let's say you want to do something on Thursday night. And you're thinking mm, maybe theater, maybe comedy club, maybe even go to a concert somewhere. Go to stagebuggy.com, go right to the homepage, and click around, and get suggestions. There's full listings there as well, but it's also like, oh, here, this is what's going to be happening this week. Maybe you want to check this out. Oh, this comedian is going to be uh, so-and-so. You might want to catch him. Oh, well, this off-Broadway show is opening. You need to see that. It's all at stagebuggy.com and I'm proud to say that I'm their new theater editor, so I'll be running that section of the website, posting news stories, posting articles, Posting a couple of interviews, and also doing one or two weekly little video clips of my tips and suggestions for the week in theater. Not to be, give me a look. It's a really fun website, stagebuddy.com. Um, do check it out. And I want to let you know, most of all, that uh, next Saturday, when we would normally be doing our regular Dave's Gone By program, we'll again start late, but this has a good reason, a great reason. Actually, well, it was a great reason today we got our dog out of the hospital. But next week, we're doing our super special, extra wonderful ninth annual Total Theater Tony special. We're going to be celebrating Broadway and the Tony Awards the day before the Tonys actually happen. So we're going to start at a special time from noon to 4 p.m. Mountain Time. That's 2 to 6 p.m. Eastern. And we've got, oh, my God, just this passel of great guests, including all these theater critics, a lot of whom have been on shows past. Leslie Hoban-Blake, who is vice president of the Drama Desk, Don Collister, who's a writer for for New Jersey Papers, the president of the Drama Desk, Issa Goldberg, Uh, Eva Heinemann, who's on Manhattan Cable TV with her show High Drama, Brian Scott Lipton, who's the chief theater critic for Theater Mania, Michael Portantier, who writes for BroadwayStars.com, Ed Rubin, who writes for TotalTheater.com, Simon Saltzman, who is... um, Wait, Simon Salzman is the president of the Outer Critics Circle. Uh, Richmond Shepard w- was the owner of the Richmond Shepard Theater. Rabbi Saul Solomon will, of course, be giving his own benediction in the show. Playwright Jeffrey Sweet, who is also on the board of the Dramatists Guild. Elizabeth Vincentelli, the chief critic of the New York Post. Matt Winman, the chief critic of AM New York. Oh, my God, Joe Dumanowicz, the chief critic of the New York Daily News. I mean, all these people are going to be part of the Dave's Gone By Tony Special, as well as right here from the University of Northern Colorado, the, um, the teacher and actor Ken Womble. Ken uh, is a director, he's an acting teacher here at UNC. He'll be in two different shows as part of Little Theater of the Rockies this summer. So he's going to be, he's a very busy boy at the moment, but he's going to take about 15, 20 minutes out and visit us uh, live on the broadcast that's all coming up next Saturday from noon to 4 p.m. on uncradio.com. It's the ninth annual Total Theater Tony show. Oh, oh, and please, don't think it's all going to be just talking heads. We will also be playing songs from the season. In fact, I think now, this time, more than ever, any show that we've done in the past, we have more songs from the shows that open on Broadway in two thousand. 12, 2013. We will have songs from um, Matilda the Musical, Kinky Boots, A Christmas Story, the new revivals of Pippin, which has gotten extraordinary reviews, uh, the revival of The Mystery of Edwin Drood, and Annie. I mean, just show after show, all these terrific shows. Plus, we'll have a special segue tribute to some of the pop singers and pop bands that Took Broadway by storm this past year, including The Rascals and uh, Motown and Barry Manilow. So that will be kind of an interesting. Set of music there. Oh, it's just going to be terrific. Plus, if there's time, we'll play some classic show tunes as well. What else? We'll have maybe some trivia questions if there's time, which I'm not so sure about, but we might take a call in or two. It'll be wonderful. Don't miss it. Next Saturday from noon to four with me, Dave Lefkowitz, doing the Total Theater Tony show. It'll be fabulous. Anyway, is that about it? I think that's about it. Well, As I mentioned on the Total Theater Tony Show, we'll be playing show tunes and tunes from the new musicals this past year. So let's close our Inside Broadway segment this particular Saturday with Rob McClure, who's winning a Theater World Award on Monday night. He plays the title character in Chaplin, the musical, and this is a song from him called Where Are All the People? It's a second act song. See, in the first act, he's the most popular man in America, maybe the world, because he's this hugely famous movie star. But once the sound era came in and he started espousing rather socialistic political views and he was branded a communist by the American government and the, the gossip columnists. well, suddenly he felt abandoned by his fans, by his public. So, um, yeah, this is picking him up in the middle of the second act when he's kind of on the downing out, if you can believe Chaplin ever was. He was. Here's the song, whoops, which I, hold on. I'm having, did my, uh, I think my laptop froze. Ha, <laughs> ha. Oh, what timing what timing that's interesting that's never happened before it's been that kind of day um Hmm. oh wait where are we yeah I'm not I'm not getting any action on my uh hold on I might have to reboot forgive me for this okay there's one way to scan a cat and that's the way. Um, okay, I'm just going to reboot. So while I'm doing that <laughs> oh my goodness, I should have just uh, just, should have just would have canceled the show, except I wouldn't want to have missed Gary U.S. Bonds and Rabbi Saul, because that was pretty wonderful anyway. this gives me a chance to tell you about the friends of the neighborhood. These are people who have appeared on Dave's Gone By over the years. Um, and we consider them family because they've made the effort. They've come here to to be with us. And so want we'll to let you know that you have two more weeks to see Christine Petty on Broadway playing Mama Morton in the Broadway show Chicago. Uh, she's there through June 16th. Also, um, ending on... That would be tonight. You have... Well... I'm sorry. I'm a little discombobulated because I wasn't quite expecting. I think I have to empty empty my trash. I think I'm a little bit. Uh, give me a moment. That should that should make things run a little better. Whee! Okay. Forgive me. I think you heard the sound of my trash crunching. That's kind of cool. Uh, let me get my iTunes back up and tell you that yeah for um. Tonight, you can see Hot Tuna featuring your Kalkinen on guitar at the City Winery in Manhattan. Also, on tomorrow, Hot Tuna will be at. Not, not. Yes, tomorrow, June 2nd. Forgive me. I'm also a bit sleep deprived from this week. Hot Tuna will be at the Stephen Talk House in Amagansett with special guest Jill Sobule. So, another person who's been on this show a couple of times. Yay! Yay, Jill. So, again, it's Hot Tuna at City Winery tonight, and then Sunday, tomorrow, they're at Stephen Talk House in Amagansett with Jill Sobule opening. On June 10th, Ellen Mandel and friends will be celebrating W.B. Yates' birthday at the Cornelia Street Cafe. He won't be there to blow out the candles, but they're going to... Do his poetry and set some of his poetry to music. And I also want to let you know that on June 13th, Loudon Wainwright and Judy Collins, both of them, wow, taking part in Sinatra in the Park, Central Park. It's, I I guess, a free concert um, at the 72nd Street entrance area. That is on June 13th. Let me see if I can get um, this back and running. That would be nice. Um, okay, I'm, I'm getting my iTunes back into a normal state of usal. What was I going to play? Um, oh yeah, I was going to play the Chaplin song, and I'll do that after I get through these. Hold on. Doo, doo, doo. Where is it? Ah, this is Great radio, ain't it? Um, here it is. Okay, got it queued up. So I want to tell you though to listen to David Kenny's. Show Everything Old is New Again, Sunday nights on WBAI 99.5 FM in New York or WBAI.org on the internets. Subscribe to DrDemento.com to hear brand new Dr. D shows. Uncle Floyd is doing his show, UncleFloydRadio.com. Plus, if you're still reading The Village Voice, even though they laid off both Michael Musto and... Their uh, lead theater critic, Michael Feingold. You do want to read Alan Scherstuhl, because he's writing film reviews for them, some theater reviews and some other pieces. Alan Scherstuhl, film editor of The Village Voice. And if you're in for some cabaret, Tim Caruso's cast party every Monday night at Birdland. Carrie Hoffman doing My Sinatra. Boy, is going to be showing up a lot today in the neighborhood, because we'll also have a New Jersey Saturday segue. <laughs> I guess you know who would be playing as part of that. Frank Sinatra? Um, yeah. He'll, J- Jim Caruso doesn't impersonate Frank Sinatra. He just sings Sinatra's songs and tells how Sinatra was a big f- part of the fabric of his life when he was growing up. Anyway, that's at Sophia's on West 46th Street. Perfect Crime, running now and forever at the Snapple Theatre Center and starring Catherine Russell. Dave Koenig, addicted to show, no, 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 that ended. I should have taken that off. That, he finally did his last performance this past week. So congratulations to him, though, on that nice run. However, The Accidental Pervert, still, still running. It was just extended a seventh time. <laughs> it was supposed to end at the end of June. It's now going through July at the 13th Street Theater off Broadway. The Accidental Pervert with Andrew Goffman. As I always say, I'm the intentional pervert. Charlie Chaplin was accused by gossip columnists of being something of a pervert, because a pervert, because a lot of his wives and his girlfriends were, well, let's say Shlomo-Karlbach-Young. Anyway, as I said, this is a song from the Broadway musical Chaplin, the musical with Rob McClure, Where Are All the People. Please play. Once, upon a time,
11: I had the world upon a string.
8: Once, they stood in
12: line
8: to see my face (laughs) upon the screen. I'd walk into the theatre, and they all would call my name. I lived for those moments Now the tide has turned and all the glory slipped away Now there's someone new and they cannot recall your name They love you <laughs> for the moment oh, But then they let you be And where are all the people That once loved me Now the world's changed to colour So what can you do? You're still black and white So now you're old the movies are talking So you're never heard You're just an old picture From a far different world And now that I have It's just a fading memory A war. search for your tomorrow,
12: but the past
8: is all you see, and where
0: winner, Rob McClure there, lead character in Chaplin, the musical. We'll be hearing another song or two from that show, as well as shows like Matilda and Kinky Boots and The Christmas Story, the musical, and oh, a couple of others, too. Oh, and the, the revivals of uh, Jekyll and Hyde, the revival of Mystery of Edwin Drew, the revival of Pippin. Music like that next week on The Dave's Gone by Toggle Theatre, Tony show. So don't miss that. Anyway, it's one forty-six in the afternoon. Yes, running late because we started late. I won't go back into it. Listen to the archives if you want to hear the whole backstory. But anyway, we do have time to do our weekly Bob Dylan Sooner and Later set where we play songs from all different times in Bob Dylan's amazing career. The 72-year-old Bob Dylan, he turned that about a week ago. And so... Our Dylan set, though, is going to be in honor of our special guest who was in the neighborhood uh, about 45 minutes to an hour ago, Gary U.S. Bonds. Don't know if they ever met or played together, but um, in a couple of songs, Dylan mentions things that are Bond-related in one way or the other, either by name or by some of the songs that Bonds himself put out. Let's begin our Bob Dylan sooner and later set with a song from Street Legal, We Better Talk This Over.
11: I think we better talk this over Maybe when we both get sober You'll understand I'm only a man Doing the best that I can situation can only get rougher. Why should we needlessly suffer? Let's call it a day, go on different ways before we decay. and double-dealing That took a chance Got caught in the chance Of a downhill dance Oh, child Why you wanna hurt To be alone, somewhere in this universe, there's a place that you can call a home. I guess I'll be leaving tomorrow if I have to. Big steal about. to happen, I like the sound of a one hand clapping, the vows that we kept end up looking and swept beneath the bed where we sweat don't think of me and fantasize on what we've never had, be grateful for what we've shared together and be glad. За
13: Says I know of a woman who can fix you up fast. I didn't think twice, I said like I should. Let's go find this lady who can do me some good. We walked across the river on sailing spree, and we come to a door called 103. about ready to give him a little knock when out comes a fella who couldn't even walk he's a linking and a slinking couldn't stand on his feet and he moaned and he groaned and he shuffled down the street well out of the door there come another man he wiggled and he wobbled he couldn't hardly stand he had his fists fighting look in his eye like he just on a bar and he was ready to die well i peeked through the key crack coming down the hall was a long-legged man who could hardly crawl he muttered and he uttered in broken french and he looked like he'd been through a monkey wrench Hey, by this time I was scared to knock, I wasn't scared to move, I was in a state of shock. I hummed a little tune and I shuffled my feet, and I started walking backwards down Rampart Street. Well, I got to the corner, I tried my best to smile I turned around the corner and I ran a bloody mile Man, I wasn't running cause I was sick I just running to get out of there quick Well, I tripped it along and I my chest, I must have run a mile in a minute or less I walked on a log and I tripped on a stump I caught a fast free train with a one I jump So if you're traveling down Louisiana way And you're feeling kind of lonesome and you need a place to stay man, you're better off in your misery Than to tackle that lady at Woodle Three.
0: Great stuff there from Bob Dylan, and that's not the version that's on the official bootlegs of "I Want to Be Your Lover." That's from a real bootleg bootleg from the same session, obviously, and uh, uh, almost identical, really, to the one that was released on um, was either the bootleg or the Biograph collection a few years back. But uh, yeah, I mean, th- this one's a little more ragged. But they, they could have put this one on. It's just as great. Bob Dylan, I want to be your lover. I don't want to be yours. I, I want to be hers. I want to be yours. He sings in his wonderful way, and that will be our Bob Dylan sooner and later set for this Saturday, June 1st, 2013. It's 2:02 in the afternoon Mountain Time here at the University of Northern Colorado, UNC Radio streaming all over the world. And yes, that set was going to be a little longer, but we ran out of time. Um, but it's all songs that on some level had to do with our guest in the neighborhood, Gary U.S. Bonds. And so we, well, let's start it from the top. We heard, um, we better talk this over from the Street Legal album and the line, I would, I would wave a wand and tie back the bond Get it? Bond? <laughs> okay, we heard that one. And then we also heard uh, New Bob Dylan's New Orleans rag, which has to do with, um, well, it mentions in there quarter to three, which... Oh, what am I... I'm sorry. I'm so tired from this week. It's Bob Dylan's New Orleans rag because, of course, uh, Gary U.S. Bonds had the same had a song called New Orleans, a big hit song in there. I didn't have time. I was going to play Dylan's version of House of the Rising Sun, which the, also would have mentioned New Orleans a few times. We also heard, I didn't even know this track existed until I did some researching this past week, on uh, an Eric Clapton album called No Reason to Cry, uh, he co wrote a song with Bob Dylan, and Dylan is singing back up on it. It's called Sign Language. And there he mentions Quarter to Three. So that's Clapton and Dylan together. Wow, I had no idea. Anyway, glad to play it. It's was kind of a cool song. Quarter, well, Sign Language that mentions Quarter to Three. And then we wrapped it up with I Want to Be Your Lover, where the line is, and the judge says, Mona can't have no bond. For Gary U.S. Bonds here in the. I want to thank so much Gary U.S. Bonds for being with us. Also, thank you so much to Rabbi Saul Solomon, who is. Um, to find out more about Rabbi Saul, including, usually, he did not have time this week, but he offers us a rabbinical reflection, kind of a mini sermon. And if you want to see and read the bunches of them that he's done over the past year or so, just go to his website, shalomdammit.com. D A M M I T, shalomdammit.com. Dot com. That's also a good place to find out when and where he'll be doing his one-man show, uh, Shalom Dammit, an evening with Rabbi Sal Solomon, which he did in New York a couple of times. He's going to bring it back to uh, northern Colorado pretty soon, and then hopefully back to New York as well. Shalom Dammit, D-A-M-M-I-T.com for more on Rabbi Sal. Big thanks to rabbi uh, <laughs> God. I I—wow, I need sleep— Big thanks also to Sam Wood, the general manager of UNC Radio. Um, without him, really, wouldn't be here. This station wouldn't be going the way it is, and wouldn't be such a valuable part of what happens here at the University of Northern Colorado. And thank you so much to my wonderful wife, Joyce, for uh, you know for enduring this very long and difficult week. Um, and um, you know, she, She's looking after the dog that just came out of the hospital while I get to do my show. So I thank her for that. And <laughs> Now I've got to race home. I'm not even going to do our, our second Saturday Segway because we're overtime anyway. Would have wanted to. Would have been fun to do some Jersey songs. But that'll have to wait. Have to wait for another excuse to honor New Jersey in our Saturday Segway. Instead, what we will do is pay a short tribute to uh, Lou Reed, who is alive, but not so well. Apparently, he had a liver transplant. This just came out in the news yesterday. Lori Anderson says that her husband, Lou Reed, had a liver transplant a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, he was was on death's door for a bit. It was touch and go, very serious surgery. And he's not necessarily going to be doing all that he used to work or quite in the same uh, place. You know, physically, mentally, that he was before all of this, but he's okay. He's coming through surgery, he's lived, he'll still make music, he'll still do his thing, but he's uh, 71 years old, I think, he's going to slow down a little bit. And so, in honor of Reed recuperating from a liver transplant, let's face it, <laughs> I mean, you know, when I when I saw the article, it was a little bit of a shock. It's like, oh my God, Lou Reed almost died. You know, and then if you think back to the way Lou Reed lived his life <laughs> between, say, 1961 and 74 ish or later, you're wondering why he hasn't had seven previous liver transplants, a kidney transplant or two. 25 blood transfusions <laughs> and a lobogamy. But uh, no, he, he, it, it's amazing. It's the Keith Richards, the old rockers. They abuse themselves mightily, but clean themselves up early enough that, hey, they're making it into older age, into seniorhood, into AARP ness. <laughs> There's a joke in there that I'm not going to go to, or AARP. Now, anyway, but. Um, yeah, so in one way you can't be shocked that you, you can sort of be shocked that Lou Reed outlived Davy Jones, you know, or or outlived Frank Zappa and Captain Beefheart and a lot of other people in in that realm. But you know, Glag, Glag is still there, and Glag will still be doing poetry and music, hopefully, not working with uh, Metallica again. But um, <laughs> we're going to go out with an appropriate, certainly appropriate song for this particular week in the neighborhood. It's from Set the Twilight Reeling, and it's a song called Finish Line. And so, yeah, we're we're hoping, we're thinking that our dog Murray, um, thank you, doctors, thank you, God, for helping him pull through this very rough surgery and for getting him through the next few difficult couple of weeks where he's going to need some radiation to get those tumors down and out. And get him through the finish line. And my wife and me through the finish line of taking him through that. And for all of us, you know, um, what what can I say? We finished May. Uh, May had it started with with snowstorms, didn't it? And then came through with heat. And now they've got tornadoes in Oklahoma. Let's get through the finish line of June, shall we? So have a good week. It's going to be some great weather. Hot weather, but some good weather at least. Maybe we'll all reconnoiter here next week. Oh, and one last reminder. Yeah, next Saturday, June 8th, is, I'll say it one more time, the ninth annual Total Theater Tony show. We won't be here at 10 o'clock. We won't be here at 11 o'clock. We will start at noon, Mountain Time, 2 o'clock Eastern Time, next Saturday with our special four-hour edition of Dave's Gone By, devoted to the Tony Awards and celebrating Broadway. Do not Miss it? It's going to be absolutely amazing. I promise you that. So, and a lot more put together show than this week. That is for sure. Anyway, reaching the finish line with you. This is Dave Lefkowitz for Dave's Gong by, and Gong by.
14: Snow outside my window. Crowd below runs wild in the streets. Two rented brothers race down two separate alleys, uh, heading for the finish line. Down in the train yard, out by the stockyard. Butchers with aprons hack meat in the snow. Blood has the brothers pulsing with envy. Heading for the finish line Two random brothers' faces keep changing Like these feelings that I have for you Nothing's forever, not even five minutes When you're heading for the finish line Down by the depot, out by the meat rack Ah, Down by the tunnels surrounding the jails Business are marching squares in circles. They're heading for the finish line. Mm-hmm.
1: Ah, ah, ah.
14: oh, oh, oh. The lining up, I know is off. They're stabbing each other in the door Saluting a flag made of some rich guy's socks Heading for the finish line Close to the line the ice is cracking Two rented feelings sitting in the stands Two mothers, two fathers and both of them are paid for All of a sudden it comes back to me just up ahead's the finish line Two branded referees and two checkered rags Out of the corner of my eye comes a dark horse with black wings Ooh, heading for the finish line I'm five years old, the room is fuzzy I think there's also a very young girl It's so hard to remember what happened exactly As I'm staring at the finish line First came fire, then came light Then came feeling, then came sight